But yeah, like uh, the first time. What was your question again? I'm sorry. It was so my question was after you did the 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 ritual, do you feel like there was a difference? In oh your yeah, overall, yeah, yeah, like okay. in your daily routines. No. On that one, no. Um, when I did mushrooms, I'm going to say yes. I think mushrooms made me less tolerant of shit that I used to tolerate. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't talk to him for like three months because I got tired of his bullshit. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like, it was before that I would usually not be that upset about stuff or so agitated by things. But then it was just like one thing he did that just set me off. And I'm like, I don't know. Do you remember what this. it was? I honestly don't. I remember the conversation. Yeah, you said some dumb shit about somebody I was hanging out with or something. And I was just like, man. And then I, I said something to be mean to him to try to hurt his feelings. Because I I distinctly remember. I'll say it. I said, uh, I said, I know why you act this way. Because the only person who's ever loved you is your mom. Hmm. And then, Damn, like. I don't, I don't remember this. But, I mean. I mean, you annoy people all the time. So, it's probably second nature to this. Roll off your your fucking back like you're a fucking duck, <laughs> but yeah, like it. That's uh, that was one of the things when I, I noticed a change in that. And then, like I said, I did DMT after that. That was just more visual shit, kind of like the mushrooms. But the ayahuasca, like I said, I didn't, I don't feel like I I had any type of trauma to heal from, or that's what a lot of people they do it for, like trauma or like trying to heal. Because there were seventeen of us that did it together, and. After you get done, you go to like a fire ceremony where they tell you talk about like what you want to get rid of into the fire. You want to let stuff go. And so there were people that were talking about how like they feel like they love themselves now. They beat addiction because of Mm -hmm. this medicine. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was the most beautiful part about the experience. Not even my experience is just watching these people feel healed. So when you refer to I'm curious to know when you refer to the shrooms. Did you do the shrooms for for a stage for a certain amount of time or no? See, I did. Uh, I did my so I had, I was so anti anything because I grew up Jehovah's Witness. So like any type of drug or whatever was always deemed the bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done that. I haven't been you know witnessing in a long time. But I remember my buddy was like, "Well, I, I think I smoked weed for the first time like 2016." And then I was I went to like Portland and I bought a bunch of stuff when I was out there and I went to L.A. This is like 2018, 2019, something like that. I bought a bunch of stuff back. And so I was doing it a bunch. But then I was just like, ah, this is not really for me. Mm -hmm. And then my buddy was like, hey, do you want to try some mushrooms? And I'm like, I don't know, but okay, I'll try them. And so he's like. Excuse me. He's like, just do like two. And I was like, all right. So I did two. And like I said, I was by myself when I did it. Apparently supposed to do like in nature or, you know, something like that. But, but like I said, I, I, they, I've heard that you can do one trip and it can shift your brain. And like I said, I, I, maybe it's age too. I don't fucking know. But that one thing that he said that day was just like after it was after I did it. And I was just like, no, I'm good. Hmm, interesting. So I don't know. Maybe it made me less tolerant of. I mean, because life is so precious, too. Like, there's so much time. I mean, there's not a lot, of, a lot of time that we have to waste on things that don't serve us. So, <clears throat> I wonder why the mushrooms had more effect on you than the ayahuasca did. Well, I guess it also depends on the person, too. Yeah, yeah everything, yeah, everything's yeah. going to react differently. Yeah, you're right, yeah. people to a drug. But, like, I just wonder, like, 
because the ayahuasca is supposed to be like the mind changing one, right? Or not what? Yeah, healing and all that. I mean, the mushrooms is just supposed to be like a body high for a little while. No, mushrooms are definitely for resetting your brain. That's why they're using for people with PTSD on microdosing. Yeah, Yeah. you do microdosing. Is that what you say you're always going to do to me? Yeah, I was like, I just, brain. Need to, like, I just need to, like, slip them some fucking mushrooms. Yeah, I guess, yeah, a microdose, yeah. He's like, next time you're drinking your water, there's going to be some mushrooms in there or something. I was, I was like, what? But the thing about the mushrooms, though, it's just, like, it's safer than other stuff that he's done that he's so, and that's why he, I don't understand why he's so afraid of it. You are, you feel that you are, you get intimidated by shrooms? Yeah, because I've never done it, but I'm just... I'm not against it, but I've just never done it. So some people have said that I might not, I might not like it. Like, I mean, that's just, and it's just like we said, like, it just depends on the person because it might affect me differently than it affected Tony or might be revolutionizing for me. You know, I just don't know. And I think that not be, and be able to be in control Mm -hmm. because the things I've done are like speed, like Coke and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, we already know, I don't know if you guys know, but like, when you do a when you do a bump or a line, you feel it for about thirty minutes. Yeah. It's really good about thirty minutes, then you just go from there. Yeah. But like this, they say it's like a few hours. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why like weed. I don't enjoy weed at all because like weed. I, yeah, weed makes me go to sleep. It gives me like my throat gets super dry. I just passed out. It's bad. Like, and then, but then my cousin, when he does weed, he's super happy. He's very grounded. He's happy. So it's a different effect. So I don't know. That's why I'm very curious about Hayabusa or however you say it, however you pronounce it. Yeah. I think you, yeah. like I said, it's, it's case by case. So like I said, I can tell you what my experience was and somebody else can tell you what their experience was, but it's until you actually do it, you know, then you can see for yourself and, then there have been people that have had a good experience the first time they did it, and the second time they had a bad experience. Oh, really? So it's not always going to be the same each time you do it. I heard that it also, it also affects your mood, like, throughout that, you know, the following weeks prior. So apparently, like, when when they say that you should do it, I have a friend, Julie, that lives in Tulum, and he, he does that. Mm-hmm. And he said that he recommends that you actually try to be in a, in a good mood for maybe the past week past couple of weeks that way your brain is used to that so i'm thinking that if i was ever going to do it i would want to get like because the idea of like appreciating life mm-hmm. right like there was something that you mentioned i remember you mentioned something i don't know a long time ago and i'll never forget this you mentioned something one day i think it was a blind bear we only have like i don't know 50 summers you oh that? yeah 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 that like sounds deep. so basic yeah right 50s we only have like i mean what's the normal age 60 70 i guess you know until you die so really like i mean on it you know on a fair on a fair scale i mean i'm 28 so honestly i may have like 30 more summers Mm. to go you know so and i feel like i don't really appreciate things as i should and so that's why i'm open to learn you know yeah. Well, when he said that to me, when he first said that, I was like, what now? It's like, how many summers do you have left? Do you think? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, because, you know, we're, I'm 42. And he's like, you probably have 20 good years left. And then right, you're right. older, you might get sick and stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, I was like, damn. Yeah. That's 20. Because yeah. you just look at 20 years. That's a long time. That's two decades. But then you look at it like, damn. 
you know, it makes you rethink yeah. the 20 years in a different time frame. Okay. Well, so I don't know, I guess when, whenever anybody brings up like mushrooms or psychedelics or different things, I think a big question that I ask is like, what's the motivation or like, what's the draw to do those things? And I, I hear different things coming from you guys, but I think one of my um, like personal like hesitations or thoughts around it all is just, are we trying to take a, like a shortcut to get somewhere because we don't want to like do the hard work? Cause a lot of the things that I hear you guys saying that are results of like these trips or whatever, um, I think those things can be achieved. Maybe not. I've never, I've never done any psychedelic drugs. So like, I can't speak from experience on that end, but I can speak from experience of like my own personal like journey of doing like harder, um, personal growth work, um, and trying to change habits and mindset and just things like that. Um, and I don't know, I'm just like, just out of curiosity, like what would y'all say would be like the motivation? I think some people use it, use, uh, mushrooms or ayahuasca to beat addiction. Mm-hmm. Because we have a friend that's done it a few a bunch of times, and it helps him not abuse uh, opiates. Okay, hmm. but does he also do like work alongside, like personal work on a day to day basis, or that that's I, my question? See, that like, I don't know because I don't see him that often. Right. But he does do the ceremony a lot. Gotcha. Well, I, I think I agree with you. I think you have to because my buddy Polly says that he's like, you can use this tool or this medicine, but you also have to do the steps after you're not using it. Right. Like, because um, personal growth is something you always got to work at. You can't just take something and then think it's going to be the end all be all. Right. There has to be other tools that go with it also. So what you're saying, I think it's, it's very important also that you have to be constantly working on yourself once you did this thing. Or even if you don't do it, just constantly work on yourself mm-hmm. as a person. Because like I said, you don't want to be the type of person that... You're the same as you were exactly mentally 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You right. should always want to be developing and growing. And I completely forgot I said the thing about the summers thing, but I remember it now. But yeah, it's just like, it's so true. I mean, it's not, we don't have very much time. And if you're just wasting your time doing the same shit over, like a groundhog day, it's like, what's the point of being here? I mean, there's some people that are fighting for their life right now and some people that take advantage of it. And it's like, Why? Like, I wonder why some people have the mentality that they want more and some people don't. I don't know if it's some personal trauma from the past or maybe they've been told that they're never going to be amount to anything. Or, you know, there's we're all products of our environment. So, like, if you've been coddled or you've been abused, I mean, I'm sure it's going to play an effect into your life. But there has to be a certain point where I think as a person, you after a certain age, you're like, I don't want this to be me anymore. I want this new path in life. So do you see yourself as a person that feels that people that use trauma and they never try to grow from it? At what point do you have to stop using your trauma and say, I'm going to grow? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I think it's all everything. Can't blame it on your trauma. I'm sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. Everything is after a certain point, you have to be like, this is my life. I want to change it. Yeah. You know, and that's easier said than done. You know, like there's people that have dealt with some very fucked up shit in their life. And it's probably not easy to look inward and be like, what can I do to change my right. path? Yeah. You know, like I said, it's easier from the outside looking in. It's always easy to say like or be a Monday morning quarterback. Like, why didn't you do this? Or why can't you just change this thing right here? But I think as a as a human, you have to want you have to want it because somebody can't want it more than you want it for yourself. 
And I also think like what you mentioned earlier, why did I do this? I should have done that. I should have done this. Living in the past Mm -hmm. for me is so important to be present. That's like one of my main goals in life to fully be present. So that's why I seek out to do meditation. I seek out to exercise, to do things that make me feel present because most of us are in the past or the future. We're never present. And so I also believe that when you do these things, you can let go of a lot of things like trauma or things that you want in life, you know, things like that. So um, if you ask me, like, what is the reason why I want to try like this new medicine or these new rituals is because, yeah, we all have like traumas. Um, I guess from my, I don't know, from my parents don't really, f- I don't know, maybe my dad, my dad was the type of guy that he will all, always be like, Let's see, how can I wear this? Um, so my dad is a very, he's a guy that he's very, um, what's the opposite of, scar- of uh, abundance? Scarcity, mm. right? So my dad will always be like, son, if you move here and um, if you just find a job and then just like um, make, I don't know, maybe 10 bucks an hour, right? And then just be satisfied. So I guess maybe that could be one of the things. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. It's we're on a weird journey, you know. It's like, what do you want to do with this journey you're on? Yep. I don't know. I'm just glad that I'm. I'm just glad we have an opportunity to try to change. You know, like there's every day is pretty much a new slate to like. Hey, I want to try this with my life, or I want to try a new path, or. Right. You know, like I said, you can, I mean, if you're content, my whole thing is like, if you're not bitching about your life, do what you want to do with it. But if you're the type of person that's going to complain about something or why, why me, why me? Well, look at you and then be like, hey, okay, maybe I'm the reason. Like if somebody's like, I was thinking about this the other day. If somebody always says they have a crazy ex or something like that, (laughs) what's the common denominator? It's you. So maybe you need to be like, okay, maybe I'm not a good communicator or maybe I don't listen well enough or maybe I do these things to make people go crazy or whatever. So like I said, it's a, it's a lot of self-evaluation. We got to do some more internal work. Right. Yeah. I think I we just don't want to be honest with ourselves about yeah. like the part that we play in things because I think it's easy to play the victim role of like everything's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I mean, and just looking at the things that we can control. And there are things that are completely out of our control. Think about like traumas or like past, like uh, family of origin stuff. But there are so many things that we can control. And I think that we don't want to admit. We don't want to admit those pieces. Right. Especially when the outcome is not what we've wanted. Yeah. Like I said, it's easy to be the victim. It's not easy to be like, well, did I put myself in this position? You know, like somebody's like, say in business, so somebody's always fucking you over. Well, Choose better partners or, you know, like be less in a position where somebody can take advantage of you. Like I said, there's always going to be shitty people out there. That's just part of the part of the world we live in. But like I said, you have to you have to take some ownership of our actions. And it's not like I said, it's not easy, man. It's not easy to be self-reflective and be like, did I was I the reason why this is going wrong? But I agree. Yep. This podcast is pretty deep today. He said usually like, what is it more usual like? What's that now? What's the usual like when you do like the podcast? Oh, no, we oh, talk yeah. about all kinds of stuff like this. But I'm just okay. saying like, this is a good episode. 
All right, that's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we finished. So what brought you to Memphis? Huh, that's a oh, wait, wait, story wait. you want to... Yeah, I uh-huh. want the story, yeah. Do you what want like, you the, the detailed story or yeah, just how tell, I moved to Memphis? So, tell us the detailed story. So we actually moved from... I like to define myself as like the immigrant American dream, right? Literally. So we come from a very poor family background. Very, very poor. Well, my mom kind of have a good living, right? But my dad was super, super poor. And so... My dad made my mom, I don't know, when they were like 20s, in their mm-hmm. 20s. And so um, so they met. And then my dad used to be a police officer in Colombia. And then, so my parents moved to London, right? This is a cool story. This is back in the day. So um, they moved to London, and then they went back to Colombia, and they started investing, right, in Colombia. And so... Um, back in the 19-somethings, there was a group of people in Colombia, like a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. They're called the guerrillas, right? And so, like, what they do is they'll literally come to you and, and they'll say, like, hey, listen, I'm going to have to start charging you this amount of money because, you know, you have access and if you don't pay us, you may be in danger, right? So this was back in the, yeah, kind of like in the 90s, I think. So anyway, so my dad then moved here to America, so literally he lost everything, right? So he had to sell all his assets and uh, move here. And so then he started working here again from the bottom. We moved to, he got to Miami, right? He got to Miami. And so then we were still in Colombia, right? And so then he had to do all his legal work in order to um, request for us to be here, right? Legally. And so then we moved here and then I just started working in Miami, literally just like, cleaning hospitals, doing warehouse jobs. Um, I was in high school. I was a bad kid in high school, drinking all the time, skipping classes, doing all this crazy shit. And so then I, then my dad's close friend lives here. And so, you know, in Miami, everybody speaks Spanish in Miami. So you don't need to speak English like you do here to have a job. Right? Oh, yeah. So everything was just so... There was so much like job demand in, in Miami and my parents decided to try something different here, right? Just to move to Memphis, try something different. And so they moved here and I stayed in Miami. I was like just drinking, you know, I went for like one semester in college and I was like, no, I need something different. I was just in this, like, just doing bad. So then I moved to Memphis and I, as soon as I moved to Memphis, like a year after I found a job in St. Jude. And so then started working at St. Jude and that's, I uh, worked at St. Jude for like six years. Right. Yeah. So that's how I got to Memphis. Yeah. what did you do at St. Jude? I was all over the place. So I first started working in Target mm-hmm. house, which is, I don't know if you guys know what Target house is. Mm-mm. So St. Jude has like housing facilities for the patients. And so you have like Target house, which is housing for long-term Families, So meaning if you have like treatment for a year, mm. they will send you to Target House. But if you have like treatment for three months or six months, they'll send you to another house called Ronald McDonald House. And all these houses is like an apartment building. I'll pay by send you. And so I was a uh, event coordinator at Target House. And then from there, I went to the main hospital and worked as a medical interpreter for, I don't know, four, four, four years, three years. And then from there, I went to another department. So yeah, I was all over the place. Yeah. 
Did y'all yeah. see that St. Jude is this? They're about fixing to invest one point seven billion, I think. Like building more on their campus going up. Yeah. You see, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that the other day. I was like, yeah. holy shit. That's not, I'm not talking about the pinch district development. I'm talking about on the main campus, like building up like some high rise, right? Yeah. For patients. Yeah, they're families. doing another facility. Yeah. It's and then underground parking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. They so just, did you speak English when you first moved here? Actually, <laughs> so when I moved here, my English was terrible. So when I moved here, so my first job was actually a Target house. I mean, sorry, Target store. Mm-hmm. I worked at Target store literally. Um, one of the rough, one of the hardest times of my life was when I moved here. The first, the first year I was on depression big time. Because I went from, I've always been, the way that I've always been raised is like just party, drinking, alcohol. I've, I was terrible. So I went from this to not knowing anybody in Memphis, living in Cordova, you know, with my parents, not knowing anyone, it was bad for me, right? Because yeah. I'm very sociable, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very codependent. So um, then I just, I found a job at Target. I just literally went to Target and applied. And so my English was terrible. It was so broken. Nobody could understand me, but I went and applied for a Target store. So literally it was down the street. So I started working at this place and they give you like a three month trial, I guess, period. And so I'm like, uh, there she is, Diana is the manager who who hired me. She's like, your English needs a lot of work, but I'm going to give you a chance. <laughs> and I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate you for, for, your, for your whatever. And so there I am in the electronics oh department. <laughs> Bro, and there's like all these. So this is a new culture to me, right? Yeah. I'm fucking, I don't know, 16. I don't even know how old I am. No, not 16, maybe 18, 17. Anyways, so... I, it's a new culture for me, right? So like ingredients or miscellaneous home furniture, things that I didn't know mm. how to say it in English. And I was in the sales floor. And so people will come to me and ask me something. And I'll be like, excuse me, <laughs> what? And I'll be like, so confused. But I, I was giving a hundred percent. I was trying to find a job and, you yeah. know, be better. So then they have these little PDAs. It's like a little device that you search items for and i'll be like can you type it right here please so literally whenever i'll like i'll have to answer a phone call people couldn't understand me mm. and the customer will like complain because they'll say like this dude can i can't communicate with this dude <laughs> anyway so i got to the point where i was like i need to fucking get my shit straight i need to fix my shit so then i fucking started taking uh english classes um back then then i think like after a year I had a girlfriend from here and she really, really helped me with, she's part of who I am today. She has done a lot in towards to culture wise. Um, yeah. So then I just started fucking taking classes and then I just started uh, figuring out that I need, I need to do something right with my life. So that's where I started, you know, working at St. Jude. I took some certifications, became a healthcare interpreter. So yeah. That's got to yeah. be tough, man, especially being that late in life trying to pick up English. Yes, it was bad. Because I hear like our slang is really hard for people to understand. And then there's a lot of yeah. words that sound or spelled the same or, or sound the same that are spelled different. And you're like, what does that mean? Two, 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 you know? Like, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, at this point, I still, I mean, there's times where I'm like, what is that, Alex? Like, what do you mean? It's There's still times where 
people get shocked because there are words that I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know what, what does that mean? And they laugh. So well, it's, it's cute. I think it's cute. Well, they always say you shouldn't make fun of somebody that speaks two languages and one's broken because they speak two languages. Right. You know, most of us here in America can barely speak English. Or it's not even really English. You know, like... What is it? Like... Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like parts of different languages that we just started speaking, right? Because it was we were settled by a bunch of different people. And, know, uh, and yeah. it's the funny thing, too, because America doesn't have, a, like, its own set language. There's no, like, this is... Oh, the official language isn't English? No. Mm -mm. What's the official language, then? There's not one. Hmm. Yeah, you can Google if you want. Is that no, I, like I for, you. for I the whole you. for the whole country or for certain states? No, for the whole country. Interesting. I mean, because America is an experiment. If you think about it, I mean, everybody is from everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So, and that's another thing about America is that we forget how young we are compared to the rest of the world. Mm. Like we're the baby on the block. Because others are places like if you go to any other country, they have like these buildings that are thousands of years old. I mean, what America's what? Maybe almost 300 years. Yeah. Now. So it's not, it's nothing. It's a blip on the radar. Interesting. So kudos to you for picking up English, English. man. It was a journey. In 10 years. Cause you think you're only journey. 28, right? And you yeah. came to America when you were what? 17. No, I came to Miami when I was, I've been, I can't remember how long it's been, but I think it was like 11 or 12 when I came to America in Miami. When I moved to Miami. Yeah. But you But you didn't have to know how to speak English. Well, this is the thing. So Miami. So, okay. So the, the thing is that when you're in Florida, you probably already know this. So in Florida, like you have the South, which is like Hialeah, Miami, Crowley Springs, Tamarack, down the South, literally you have signs that says we speak English, mm. right? Because everybody speaks Spanish. So in, in high school, it was like this little cliche of us. I mean, everybody was like freaking Hispanic. In, in the high school. So I did have ESL teachers that would teach me English, but it's, it's a bullshit. Like it's, it's like you're in, in your country. Like I would feel like I was in Colombia because everybody spoke Spanish. You just transfer this culture from my home country to here because I was, I happened to be in a place where, you know, it was abundant of Hispanic. So we all knew Spanish English. We all could understand it and write it. <clears throat> But we never practiced it. We never spoke it. So moving here, literally, you would not understand. Oh, yeah. I guess it's like, I don't know, you're speaking to, I don't know, just from someone that just moved here. So I could understand everything you, you would say to me. However, I would not know how to communicate it. So, and at that age, being 18, it was rough. Because, you know, you older, it's, it just takes more, more work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't realize until I went to Miami how, like you said, about the is predominantly Spanish. Like every Uber or yeah, Lyft I yeah. would get in, and they were like, didn't speak. And I was like, oh shit, man. <laughs> I remember one of the Ubers we were taking, the guy put the wrong, um, like he was taking us the wrong way. And I was like, hey, this is not the right way, sir. So it's this way. And because I guess it was, I don't know how it happens because he didn't understand what I was saying. So then we had to go like around and then back to where we were going. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what? I was like, never mind. <laughs> because you know, you, you forget yeah. that every, he doesn't, you know, he might, like you yeah. said, he might, he yeah. might be, he might have just moved to Miami, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's like the new in, in Miami. What I heard is like that's the new trend. You know how a lot of the Hispanics do a lot of construction work. Mm-hmm. Now they're moving to Uber mm-hmm. and like doing more easier jobs. Yeah, but I remember I've got in trouble so many times because of my English. Like I send you, like I would say things, and then I remember one one day. So of course, and you're so familiar, and so and it's very warm. Like you, there's no like arguments. It's it's very employee familiar, right? Yeah. There's a lot of boundaries. So, anyways, I remember when I used to work at Saint Jude because of my accent, I would say words that may get misunderstood. So, like for example, I remember there was this one time there was a patient that the mom. The mom had to bring like a TV to the inpatient room for the kid to watch. And so I remember seeing the mom and we, we used to get alone, right? We would just chat every so often. And I remember I said something along the lines. I can't remember exactly, but I was like, are you, uh, I was like, are you selling, are you selling this TV? And I, she, I think she thought that I said, are you stealing this TV? Mm. <laughs> and so when I said, are you stealing this TV in a, in a friendly way, in a jokely way, she gave me this look like, excuse me. And then she walked away and I was like, okay, well, I guess she's in a bad mood because I didn't know that she had thought something different. So next thing I know, I get called from a manager and she's like, Andre, please report to this place, yada, yada, yada. And like, Andre, you can't be harassing families here. <laughs> this, you can't you can be telling girls, ladies, that they're stealing stuff here. Yeah. Don't, don't do that, Andrew. That's not appropriate. Yeah. And so literally, um, who was the, I, I guess the director or whatever, they, they would literally consider like to fire me because of, wow. So what happened was that, thank God, it, the security guard was right next to me and he heard everything. Mm. So I think that was the reason why they didn't get fired yeah. because this lady really complained and said that, there should be no type of communication, you know. You shouldn't be this forward to a family, family memory, yeah. yada, yada. So things like that happen along my journey of yeah. learning. It's probably still happens. <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah. it get frustrating ever? No. Or like, well, especially when you first moved here, like when you were learning and then you were trying to say something and people just kind of dismissed you? No, because for some reason, I don't know, I never feel like I know a lot of, it happens a lot of the times where people feel inferior mm-hmm. right or they feel because they don't know the language to feel i've never felt like that mm. i don't know why i always i don't know i think i mean i knew that because they kept saying what what are you saying it's because of my accent mm-hmm. not because of something else so I, don't, I never felt like that no i think the funny thing about like traveling or going somewhere else is especially when you don't speak the language is especially for an american Going somewhere because the first time I ever took an international trip, I went to Barcelona, went to Barcelona and Madrid. Barcelona was fine because they speak a lot of English there. Madrid, not so much. I remember going to a Tim Hortons and I was like, oh God, there's, there's got to be, because I know it's like a Canadian coffee place or whatever. I guess it's kind of like their version of our Starbucks. And I was like, okay, they're going to definitely speak English in here. So I go in there, no. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like pointing at the menu, feeling like, like, like yeah, like um, you know, something's wrong with me. Like, oh. and they're like, and be in the wrong order. But it was my, f- I mean, I'm in their country, you know. But it's a weird feeling to not be able to, to communicate with somebody through words like you're used to. Right. I wish more people had those types of experiences so that they could understand that perspective. Yeah. Well, it, um, also, what's crazy is how much of the world speaks English. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like you'll go to whatever country and they'll be like, yeah, I speak, I can have a conversation. You know, like you'll ask, do you speak English? And they're yeah. like, yeah. Or, you know. It depends on where you're going. Because there's some places that, like I said, oh, you just I can said speak for Madrid. like Madrid. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to, um, I went to Africa and they speak English there. But I'm pretty sure like when we go to Colombia, a lot of people aren't going to speak. Yeah, the Americas are not too big of learning two languages. So like South America, Central America, they don't really. And it's like, why yeah. should they? I mean, because we're going to their place. I wish, no, I wish. I, I think I, I admire like the, the European continent where most countries are speak English. You know, I think that's really cool because that, that's less for for the kiddos that move here. Mm. It's hard. It's less harder on them, you know. It's really hard as a kid. Like, for example, for me, my parents used to use me all the time to run, sh- uh, to do chores, 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 chores to, you know, this like, Andre, let's go get this car insurance. Can you call for me? Andre, uh, the, they overcharged me on rent, call for this. And I'm the one dealing mm-hmm. with all this stuff. And I'm the one literally, I'm the face of the family arguing. Yeah. And I'm 15, 16 years old with all this pressure. So. That that's very popular here, mm-hmm. very popular. Yeah, I'm an ESL teacher, and yes, that's what happens. That's a lot of pressure for a kid. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna have to come get you to talk to all my students. Oh this yeah, year. give them a lesson. Which well, technically is not legal. You know, it's not legal for a kid to interpret. I guess if it's like in a healthy, if it's like in relation to healthcare, you cannot. I mean, everybody does it, but it's not allowed because what has what has happened before is like. Let's say that you're in the hospital, right? Let's mm-hmm. say that you have, you guys have, let's just say that my dad is in the hospital and he doesn't speak English, right? And I'm 15 years old and my dad's disease is that he has to get his uh, liver removed mm-hmm. or his gallbladder. What's happened before is that the kid, because he doesn't know any better, he's 15, he doesn't know what the difference is between a gallbladder and a kidney in, in English. Then he tells the doctor, or the doctor tells him, and then he tells the dad that his liver is getting removed instead of the gallbladder. Oh. Well, that has happened before, and so he's signing things, thinking this is going to happen, and what has happened before is that they wake up, and they're like, I don't have a kidney? What the hell? They're surprised, and so that's what mm-hmm. leads to suits and stuff like that. So, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's why they require, like, a medical health care interpreter, like someone licensed that can do all those things. But nobody gives a fuck. People do that all the time. Yeah, that would be a lot of pressure on a child. Yeah. So is that what you currently do? Mm, not anymore. Like, as a child, interpret like interpret uh, for my no, dad. I was, and no, I was asking, like, you, are you still an interpreter now? <laughs> no, I left. No, I left St. Jude like two years right before COVID. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, he's an entrepreneur now. Man. Yeah. So what will you do now in Brickle? Well, I I want to move. So it was like a combination of um, there was like some networking events that were there. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to move. So I said, well, I can work from home. Why not just go there for maybe two months and then just see what it feels like to live there? Just like if I was here, I'll go to work. I have this little seminar for two weeks in a row. And I stayed in Brickle. And so I loved it. I love that it's, I feel like it's, it's a lot of money, you know? And then it's also like, I don't know. It's just a lot, a lot of party going on. So 
My yeah. guy. Yeah. My guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Now, yeah. I guess coming from Memphis, too, it's probably more, well, I obviously I've experienced it, but it's a different vibe than, like, the things you could, there's more to do, first of all, and then I guess it would be more culturally, probably something you're, because you're more into, like, the salsa and... Actually, believe it or not, yes, it's it's big time, uh, diverse, of course, yeah. diverse area. But salsa is not that big in Brickell itself. No, no, I'm, I guess I can mean Miami. Like Miami. Miami? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, like Tito took us to like the Little Havana. That was like, really cool. You know, there's all that kind of, like it just, it's just, it's a different vibe than Memphis, man. Oh, Memphis yeah, Memphis is like, yeah. Memphis is, like they always say, Memphis is Memphis. I'm from, I'm from Memphis, not Tennessee. Mm. You know, like it's a totally different place than any part of the other state, uh, you know. So it's got its different vibe. So you think you're going to eventually move there? Or are you going to give this a little st- bit of go? I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Just don't go to Nashville. <laughs> I feel like I'm too Hispanic to be in Nashville. <laughs> Every time I go to Nashville, I'm like the only little Hispanic there. Literally. I guess because I like Broadway and I like the uh, yeah. the Gulch. That's that's what I relate Gulch to. Gulch is awesome. And so is, I, I love Broadway too. Yeah. So... Nah, like I said, I, I I just think Nashville's kind of fake, man. I've never experienced, well, I've never been there enough to, just but it's not, it's not how Miami is. Miami's fake as fuck. You know, Miami's all about what you have. Yeah. Which is easier like, to make friends with, but it's just. I don't know. Like I said, may, I, this is what I also say. It's a lot of the people that leave here and talk shit about Memphis once they get up there. Mm. It's like, bitch, mm. you were here this whole time. Don't, don't think you're better than anybody else mm-hmm. because you live in Nashville now. But I don't know. And like I said, I, I, I remember going to Nashville before the boom and then going now. And it's just like it's it's way overpriced. It's like super expensive for what? I mean, you're not seeing the beach, you know, like you have in L.A. or Miami or something like that. So I don't know. I don't get the snobbery, I guess. Hmm. That's just my personal opinion. Like I said, I, I mean, I'll go, I'll go for like a wedding or something like that. But just to go every weekend, like some people do, is just like there's other stuff. There's other places I could go than Nashville. I don't think I ever experienced a. I think all I've have experienced in Nashville is just the Broadway area and the Gulch. Yeah, Gulch is cool. I mean, but like I said, it's just. I don't know. There's a, like when people say, I hate when people say this, but like Nash Vegas. No, it's not, motherfucker. Have you ever been to Vegas? There's nothing mm-hmm. like it, man. Stop yeah. saying that. Clubs in Na- Nashville do not compete with. No, I mean, they're definitely now they're better, but like this is like 10, 12 years ago, people were saying Nash Vegas. Is that when that phrase came on about? about That's when I started hearing it. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not, man. Like it's nothing like Vegas. You're, unless you're fucking talking about like Fremont. I mean, uh, and even Fremont Street is better than. Where's Fremont Street? It's It's familiar. The old part of Vegas. Oh. Like the Golden Nugget and places like that. I think that's what they're called down there. Remember how much cheaper it was to drink? We got a round of drinks. It was like $22 only. Yeah. And one one Bud Light on the new strip, whatever it's called, is $22. And I was like, holy Mm. shit. But I think you should stay here. Make your own mark. Can you not do Mm. what? I mean. He can do it anywhere, probably. Do what? What exactly is it? What that you do? Oh, so I, I run a marketing company. Oh, okay. yeah. So it's uh, pretty much selling real estate. So we have a little, we have a marketing team that will literally like annoy the shit out of you by co-calling you. 
next thing you you guys on this home, right? That's you. That's me. Get out. <laughs> Wait, I get even text messages. Like- yes. Yeah, so what we do is we literally call. It's a marketing company, so we'll call, call you. We'll text you. SEOs, um, Google Ads, all these things, and so it's just um, it's just a matter of hitting the right person at the right time for them to sell their home, mm-hmm. and then we literally either. I have a few houses that I fix and flip, like if they're in Midtown or Cooper Young. But 85, well, actually like 90% now of the houses that we sell, we just assign it to a different investor to fix it up and flip it. How long have you been yeah. doing that now? Since COVID? Since COVID. Or before COVID, I Well, guess? no, before, no, I've been hustling for like four years on this. Well, maybe not, maybe three. I started, I literally worked like, I had a stage in life where I was grinding my ass off, mm-hmm. like 70 hours a week. From St. Jude, I'll get off at St. Jude at 4.30. And then I'll work from 4.30 to like 10 p.m. Every single day. I did that for like six months. Every single day. I wouldn't go out. Obsess, obsess, obsess. And then um, I remember I'll, I'll be like, I used to call call people. <laughs> they used to curse me out all the time. Because <laughs> I'll be calling them after work like 8, 9 p.m. They're like, they'll be like, don't you have kids? Don't you have a family? <laughs> Are you fucking calling me at 9 p.m.? And so then after kind of getting momentum, Mm -hmm. then um, I was working a little less. And then when COVID happened, for me, actually, of course, you know, um, side of what happened, of course, and, you know, it's it's a terrible thing that happened. But COVID allowed me to focus on my business full time. That way I could just let go of of St. Jude. So I want to say, yeah, probably that month, I think started in March, January, the COVID two years ago. That's where I just let go out and you, and then I focus 100 percent in wholesaling. It's called wholesaling real estate. That's what it's called. Yeah. So is it just you, or do you have a team? I have a team. So how many people yeah. do you have working for you? So right now we have three callers, three call callers. We have a marketing assistant. Um, we have two sales guys, and uh, I have my assistant. Yeah. So it's like six, six. Oh, and a manager. Yeah. So Seven. on the cold call guys, so. You would hire me as a cold call guy. So what do I have to do? I just sit there and keep on dialing different numbers? I don't know, like you have a list? Yeah, so what we do is we have a marketing list. So we pull data from Mm -hmm. online records of people who own homes. And we mostly uh, help, we mostly niche people on foreclosure or people that are distressed, Mm -hmm. right? Or houses that are distressed as well. So houses that need a lot of work. So we target those things and what we do is for example, in my marketing team, I have a manager that handles the call callers. So the, the managers, we have meetings every Monday. The manager will reach out to the callers and say, this is you know today's duty, which is get three to five leads per caller. So we provide them the list for the whole month, a list that they call, a list that has their address and their phone numbers. And so they will call call these people. And then that's what they do, eight hours on the phone, just literally rejection by rejection by rejection. Until they get that one person that says, yes, I want to sell my home. And so that's what they do on the call calling side. And so also on the uh, SMS and SEO side, it's the same guy. There's a, it's a virtual assistant. All my employees are overseas. They're mm. in the Philippines and my sales guys are in Egypt. Right. So and the, the guy that does texting, he does the same thing. He's on a computer just sending blasting text messages. You know how you get those text messages? Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. So now you should, you should so, never, never say hello. 
<laughs> and this, is, sure, this should be an offline feedback. <laughs> never, never say hello because they're going to keep texting mm. you again and again and again. Um, how many yeses do you get, say, a month or, or a week? Well, daily. We do it daily. Oh, okay. Um, about three per, per source, per channel, meaning for one caller or for mm -hmm. one marketing channel. We get about between two and five. Yeah. A day? Yes. Holy shit. But that's a yes, meaning, yes, I want to sell the home. But then once the marketing team collects the lead, then it goes to my sales team. And they are mm. the ones that are trying to negotiate, sell, to close you. Yeah. So how many do you, how many do you actually close a month? It just well, depends. it depends. So this month we have closed three so far. On average, we close between eight and 12 deals. Wow. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, and maybe this is something I should ask you later, but like, say your home or my home, which are, you know, well kept and all of that, like, I don't understand how they could even make money off of me. Like, why are you targeting me? I mean, I'm not in distress. My house is not in distress. Like, what is the advantage? I don't know if it's the location or what, but I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, I know what my house is worth and right. I don't know how you could possibly make money off of me. Is there? Right. So how you probably have owned your house for over maybe five years, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, three. So, yeah, so it really depends because this is a, this business is so competitive. There's, everyone is doing this, mm -hmm. right? Because it's so easily, like I started, I was started, I started putting bended signs. I started getting yelled out by the police, um, <laughs> literally on the weekends. This is the only way to fucking grow. So yeah, no. on the weekends or in the week, I'll call, call. And then on the weekends, I will go out to Fraser, Raleigh, North Haven and put bended signs. You know, those signs that says we buy houses. Yeah. yeah. I will literally, instead of going out and drink, I will go at 10 p.m. I'll put 90 bended signs in my, my car on the back. And I have bought a little, this huge stick that has like a little mm, clipper. Mm -hmm. And it's like this long stick and you just <laughs> click it on the poles. So I'll literally be in Frasier seeing hookers all over the place. <laughs> and then fucking, uh, North Haven driving. At 10 p.m., I'll do this from like 10 p.m. until like 2 a.m. Mm. You'll take me four hours. Now, just put bended signs all over the place with, uh, it will say we buy houses and then you have my phone number on there. So that's how I started, right? And so it's so you can do it for free. I mean, not for free, but if you buy bended signs, it costs you 500 bucks. Yeah. And if you get a deal, it's going to give you at least five times the return, right? If you get a deal, but you have to be consistent. So, um, I forgot why I was saying this. Oh yeah, because it's very competitive. So some some companies don't really target a certain niche; they just blast the whole Shelby County. So how can you? How can we make it uh, make money out of you? Maybe you have a lot of equity in your house, and maybe you're going through a divorce, and you feel like you don't want to hire a realtor because the realtor is going to charge you six percent commission. You're going to have to clean the house, make it look neat. Um, you're going to have to pay other fees. With us, like, we literally would just, we'll send an inspector. We'll, and we'll pitch it like this, of course. You know, we'll, we'll make it as basic and simple as quick as, mm -hmm. as, and quick as, as you can. Right. And so some people don't want to go through all the listings and right. showing it and pressure washing the home. So it's just And you have convenient. no way of knowing the situation of that particular homeowner. So you could, yeah, so it could work out. Right. So, and some of them don't really, some of them are fine with taking a little less money, 
yeah. for the the basic for the simplest way of selling it, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's so that's the reason why. Yeah. And what made you decide to do that? I've always wanted to like own my own time. Like yeah. I've never wanted to report mm-hmm. to people. So I was like, well, I mean, real estate is fun. I've always I'm, I've always been curious about stock, the stock market. Mm-hmm. But I'm so with this, I'm always like hands on, hands on. So uh, I guess that's the first thing I saw that kind of drove me. You know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a wild business right there, man. It's hard mentally. Next time I get a call, yeah. I'm like. Who Andre? is this? <laughs> is this Andre? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's up? Or when we see the no. signs and have a phone yeah. number, I'd be like, is that his number? I was that typing the number in my phone. Yeah. Oh, it's not him. It's like, this comes editor. I'm going to rip it down. <laughs> do not engage. If you don't want them annoying the shit out of you, do not engage. If you say hello, we're going to engage until you literally. The only way we dispose a lead is if you're cursing us how, or if you, when I used to call, call they say they would call immigration services on me. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, that's why I go by Andre. Nowadays, uh, because uh. when I started doing sales on my own, I will say Andres, and then they'll be like, oh, I mean, of course, you can notice my accent, but at least it's an easier, it's less questions. So mm. they'll used to ask me all the time, like, where are you from? Is your business here? Are you not one of those guys from the Philippines trying to scan me? Or are you not like a terrorist? They'll used to give oh, me all shit. these hilarious fucking comments. So, um, Sometimes if I just say Andre, they won't even ask me any more questions. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. a wild. That's a wild business right there, man. You yeah. been doing this for three years, almost yeah. three years now. Yeah. Didn't you say a lot of real estate agents do not like y'all? No, it's just really it's a different niche. So, like with them, they have a lot of contracts, um, because they have to go by certain you know association. Yeah. We don't need, we don't need a, for what I do, I don't need a license. I don't need a realtor license. So with them, um, it's, it's a little more difficult. They really have to know how to make it work with us because yeah, sometimes they don't want, it it can be a little tricky. Yeah. Both of them has to be on the same page. So what steps would you have to do to get started? If somebody wanted to do this, like you obviously have to have the money. So how are you going to get the loan or how does that work? Like just for the first house. For well, we don't we don't buy the house completely. Okay. So we literally lock up the house. So let's say when you bought this house, this house before you bought it, you had to make an offer, uh-huh. a written offer, right? And so there is a contract that you have with the seller and okay. you as the buyer. Yeah. So if I, for example, let's say I my team call, call calls you mm-hmm. and you say yes, I'll take fifty thousand dollars for this home. Then what we do is we'll, we'll bind you on a contract. You and I have a contract for $50,000. And so because, again, it's a marketing business, I market this house that I have for $50,000. I'll market out to, excuse me, I'll market out to investors for $70,000, okay. right? But the house needs to be worth $100,000, mm-hmm. right? So it's pretty much, I'm the metal guy. Mm. So what I do is I'll sell you, let's say she's the investor. Yeah. I'll sell this contract that I have binded with you. So you can sell the contract. Exactly. I'll sell it to you for, you know, $60,000, $70,000. And then you pick up the contract, you put it under your company's name, and then you get to do whatever you want with the rights. Mm. It's a smart business right there, man. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're really not having to touch anything. Right. Wow. Yeah. So where do you find your people like that are overseas? 
overseas or like the employees. Yeah. It's out through networking, networking. Um, these two last guys that I have from Egypt, they have amazing accents. Uh. So they, they sound American. Oh, okay. So, um, through networking, I think it's how most of these employees and most of the things is just through networking. Yeah. In Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was, uh, we had a guy on here who's a DJ and he's doing this thing where they do silent DJs or, or silent discos where people mm. with the headsets on and what have you. And he was talking about how, like he's talking about moving to Nashville. So like everything with their website, when you type in Nashville, DJ pulls him up because of the SEO. And I was asking him because I was interested in for this, mm-hmm. I need to get an SEO. So I was wondering how that works. Like you want to run SEOs. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So maybe I can talk to you about that. Yeah. Because he said something like Fiverr. He used Fiverr. Yeah, you can use Fiverr or Upwork. Um, all these Fiverr and Upwork is overseas. So literally you pay them. I mean, you they don't really, because the, the currency there is, the dollar currency is so high. Yeah. You can have guys on payroll for $3, $4 an hour. Oh, shit. Yes. Yeah, like when I first got started doing this, I needed a logo, and uh, I was like, "Man, I don't, I'm not a graphic person." But mm-hmm. so I went on Fiverr, and I got this was the original one right here. But I got this done just because I need I just needed something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I paid like thirty bucks for the logo, and some guy yeah. was trying to charge me fifteen hundred dollars, which it was obviously going to be a nicer logo <laughs> for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Not this, well, not this, but it was just an idea. I just needed something. And then uh, this one I got, I actually paid decent money for this one. But then I got this one done. But I like it. That's interesting, man. Why this cool? Uh Why this cool? I just like skulls. I don't know why. We all have one. (laughs) But uh, that's, man, that's a fascinating. I didn't really, okay, that, that makes more sense. And you're not actually touching the house. You're just the middle person. Yeah, I mean, I have flipped a few, but they have to be worth it, and they have to be in areas that I like, yeah. like Midtown or Cooper Young. Yeah. So, what's your next move? I want to have this fully automated. Right now, I'm the one that sells this position, so I'm the one that disposes the houses. I want to find someone that can do this. What I do, and then I, I'm curious about the market. Mm. I'm curious about the stock market, but then also there's times where I also want to. I like uh, philosophy too, like maybe like a life, life coach or mm. I always, I'm always fascinated with the idea of, you know, just helping others. So, well, I always see you, you know. post inspirational stuff on your stories. I love it. Yeah. And then did you ever do that thing where you saw those notes on the ground? I saw you were talking I about wanted, like, I was, I was, a friend of mine is going to, uh, she's going to paint it. We need to get the material. Are you talking about those stenciled quotes? Yeah. Wait, wait, what oh, is I love this? those. The poetry books. So good. You never seen like when you go to downtown, like little quotes, motivational quotes on the on the ground, on the sidewalk and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah I've seen like stuff. Yeah. I haven't read them. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read them. I wanted to do one. Of my own, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's gonna be yeah. cool, man. Yeah, you can do this. Do the summers one. So you have a stencil already made? Actually, yeah, that's a good one. No, mm-hmm. I have a friend that she's gonna get all this stuff. Okay, and I'm gonna come up with the code on my own. So we just need to go. She needs to get a certain type of paint and I guess the dis, the design or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, those are cool because I always see people tagging or post those yeah, on their yeah. stories. Because I think people do need to see bright light type stuff. Mm. You don't always need doom and gloom, and I think yeah. a lot of the internet is is doom and gloom. Yeah, like, and I always say, not everybody's bad. There's 
most of us are good. There's just small pockets of people that are shit. And those are the people that get the most attention, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you can fill somebody's timeline with something positive or something uplifting, I mean, you're already doing more than person that's leaving a negative comment or, you know, yeah. posting a fight video or something like that. Yeah, I always like to put affirmations and motivational things on, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah it's fun. Because you never know, like, how you're affecting somebody's day. Because there's a lot of people that will probably absorb your shit and then they'll never say anything to you. You know, like they appreciate you posting it and it may make them want to do better. Right. Because I always talk about how, like, I saw a video one time of this guy. He posted how he cut people's hair, like homeless people's hair on Sundays Mm -hmm. for free. And I was like, man, that's really cool. Why don't somebody Mm -hmm. do that, you know, like here? And then that sparked my brain to do something. So it's just like, you know, it's just a butterfly effect but for good yeah and i think too people are just struggling with being so lonely these days i feel like i think the coronavirus and like people being in quarantine definitely like was the um i know that people definitely struggle with loneliness then but i think that's like carried out Mm -hmm. like i think since then um i think that maybe i don't know if it's because people were so isolated then and it's been a struggle to like come back into like social gatherings and like just develop community again but that's just one thing that i've seen is just people being so lonely and desperate for like connection in whatever ways well they said during the pandemic that a lot of people realize that they don't want to be alone Mm. because especially people that couldn't see anybody they didn't have like a spouse or a roommate or something like that they they craved human interaction yeah and like i said it's it's one of those things where it's like oh fuck man maybe i do want somebody in my life maybe i don't want to be a loner Mm. You know, because like I said, I think sometimes it takes something shifting in your life for you to realize you need a correction. Yeah. And I think the pandemic, like I said, there's a lot of bad that came out of it. But I think that there's a lot of good. There's I love this guy. He said that uh, what if you would have been driving to work prior to the pandemic, like no pandemic, you got a car accident and died. But since some of us had to stay at home, a lot of people probably didn't die from car accidents that Mm -hmm. year. You know, there's a flip side that a lot of people can kill, kill themselves, you know, but and depression. But there's, you know, you got to try to find a silver lining in everything. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. Those because I remember I was downtown with some people and they were looking at those things. I just started seeing them recently. That's something new here, I guess. You talking about the messages? Yeah. On the, on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you should do that, man. Yeah. Get that rolling. Get get your son out here with you, man. Help him. I mean, you're <laughs> gonna be painting. Let's let's talk about this. Oh no, let's not. Andres Andres is a Raul sympathizer because <laughs> he's a good he's a good kid. Thank you. No, he's not. I've never seen his true colors. Yeah, you did. Remember that one when, day he was he was playing both sides. I did kind of get a smidgen of it, but I've never fully, fully. Yeah, I remember no, you I'm kind sorry. of acting like I got you. <laughs> no, but no, don't I listen. Seen the true colors. No, and who, I'm a, who, I'm a, who did you talk to at the party? How For some reason, here? he does have a big team on his side. I don't know why every time <laughs> we run into this conversation, they're always on his team. I don't know why, but. Girl, why does he give you so much shit? Who, who knows? He's He loves me. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no. You need to stop sympathizing. I mean, I've never Are you going to bully him into it? No, I'm just trying to show him the light. Uh, Some people are blinded. Hmm, maybe I'm blinded. Who knows? Yeah, maybe I'm a good person. Don't don't hmm. listen to him. <laughs> no, 
But yeah, every, you're always like, you're bullying him. I'm like, I'm not bullying that bitch, man. What the fuck hmm. are you talking about, man? <laughs> Does he know that he's bullying it right now? I mean, even the language you use right there, I mean, it's kind of abusive. You see that? And see, don't worry, he's going to edit all that out. Uh, <laughs> I just edit you. Yeah. Mm. Uh. No, I, I really think you need to not be a sympathizer of Raul. Mm. Raul's a, Raul told us on one episode that he used to manipulate his therapist when he was a child. So really? what does that tell you? Um, but I think everyone that goes to therapy, I mean, he at some therapy, point or another, like the Joker. Is, yeah. you learn what they learn and then you use it again. The therapist, that is not your friends the right, day in right, your right. life. You, you learn that. So you don't manipulate your friends into doing stuff that you want done. I don't think I do. You don't I try do. to get pity. I think I might ask friends for stuff. Like what now? You don't ever try to get pity out of people, like make yourself look pathetic. So people feel sorry for you. What do you mean? There's layers. There's like a you know, like a seven layer burrito. It's a layer. So seven layer what? Burrito. Oh that's burrito. Layer, that's mm. layers. Yeah. So yeah, stop sympathizing. No. Don't like I said, I was wanna to talk to you at the party. We became friends. Don't listen to him. Uh, that was at um that Tyler guy's yeah. house. Asking about his uh, facial care routine. I'm just kidding. Well, I, I wonder like how a, you get that glowing like 40, skin. Forty minute routine. What's your routine? Your skin routine? Shit, no, <laughs> no take a shot. I do use like a little cream because if now my my face gets dry, gotta use. Yeah, cream. you gotta moisturize. Yeah. That's just normal stuff, though, right? Yeah. Just speaking on me. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> not. I well, so I guess Tony's rubbing I off on you. <laughs> so how'd you get into salsa? How did I get into salsa? Well, so you know what? As a Hispanic, you are taught to learn the basics. Mm-hmm. So no, like, funny, like, no crazy spinning or it's just the basics right that's what you're taught to my fucking parents they were like they'll go out and party and then like i'll be like five years old seven years old just walking around you know seeing them dancing so i guess i just i always had it in my blood but i wasn't really i was not into it as much i've always liked like reggaeton and i love drake and future like i've always been into american music and I guess one day, I think after COVID, I just decided to start going to Roomba. And I saw, actually, this is funny. I saw Brandon. Mm. Brandon was Brandon like, Gray. A, yes, Brandon was a really, he's like this guy. He's thin guy that has the perfect shape for a salsa dancer mm-hmm. and also a ballet dancer. And so he's got like a mixture. He knows both sides of the dance. So he combines valet, like he's got this frame, very firm frame, mm. like valet, but then he combines it with salsa. So he looks really smooth. It looks very sexy. So I saw him and I was like, I want to learn how to dance like that. I don't know how to dance like him, but he, he motivated me to learn. And so then I just got really into dancing. I started going every week and taking classes. I started paying for private classes in I learn, actually learn quick. And I mean, that's, that's the spot. That's where we go and, you know, get our demons out. So is it a lot of community there? Like that's where you yes. have your like it is big, it is. tribe or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah, I know, um, 
Didn't you say that's where Omar? Didn't he do that? He used too? to go there. Yeah, he yeah. used to go there. Yeah, that's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. Yeah, too we, nice of a guy. Which one is this? Yeah, Omar. He's a really cool guy. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling not. No, no he really no, is a nice. No. Yeah, yeah, nice I thought you were. I thought you were being like making no, like no. no. He's like a shitty no. person or something. No, like, no, no, no. I don't. Okay. I don't. Mm. You should try salsa dancing, Marlon. Yeah, you were telling you were telling us about they do lessons during the week, yeah. right? Yep. Like when are the lessons? So they do lessons during the week, but then also on the weekends. If you I am. go there, if you get there early, they will teach you a little quick dance mm-hmm. to be able, you know break rapport, you know, yeah. give you comfort, and you rotate with any anyone that's there. You get mm. to dance with anyone, so it's it's like it's very familiar. It's very mm-hmm. comfortable. They're very open. Yes. They're very accepting. Yes. Yes. I th- I'll try it. You should come join us. It's a lot of fun. That could be your hobby. Do y'all do that every every Saturday? Do y'all go every Saturday? I go there, yeah, pretty much. Maybe at least three times a month, yeah. Three times a month, yeah. What hobbies do you have? Or goals? Well, hobbies, I love to work out. I love to run. Mm. Yeah, I love to run. I love to exercise. Um, Goals, I do want to fucking make... I want to be able to just travel... And just meet different cultures. I want to go to Sweden. Want to Sweden? Yeah, I want to go to Sweden and um, what's that other co- Finland? Mm. I want to go to Finland. Why Finland? I don't hear people say yeah, that very often. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any hobbies or goals? Um, yoga is a big one. Uh, salsa dancing. I love to cook. Um, and I have a dog. He takes a lot of my time, too. I love to hike and go backpacking. That's another one. It keeps me super grounded. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think those are good. I think you should have something. Where do you go hiking? So we don't really have much around here. Yeah. If I do need something, if I am just like, oh, man, I need to get out of the city. I need to be in nature. I'll go to Shelby Forest. Um, okay. I love Shelby Forest. Um, and I'll take the dog out there, and we'll do a little hiking. And that's the best I think we have now. But, um I get, most of the time, if I'm going on a bigger trip, I'll go to Nashville, um, and I meet up with a group in Nashville of backpackers. And then from Nashville, we'll carpool out to like North Carolina or the Smokies, like mm. East Tennessee. Oh, wow. But uh, normally, I have to tra- I have to drive a bit to get to any decent hiking. Have you been to that place in Little Rock? It's like Pinnacle Mountain. Pinnacle Mountain, yeah. yeah. Some, my friend Kelly was telling me about that. That's that time I saw her. Yeah, no, it's nice. I think I prefer the Smokies um, in like East Tennessee, but Arkansas does have good, uh, the, what is it? The Ozarks and yeah, yeah they have a couple of mountain ranges out there. What are your goals and hobbies? Well, I like, I started picking up reading. Well, I don't like read like religiously. Don't get me wrong, but I have, it's, it's starting to become more enjoyable to me. Uh, Tony got me a book. Uh, Which one? I forget what it's called. It's about like, how to have better conversations with people. Okay. Some, some Chris, of that, right? Was that a hint, Tony? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, that's what it's, but I don't know what it's called, but it's, it, that, okay, have you started reading it? I'm actually, it's at, it's at, um, it's at, uh, it's at Nick's house right now. Mm. And I read, I, I read a couple pages of it yesterday. Because you live at his house? No, we, I live here. Okay. I'm, I'm house sitting. Oh, my okay, okay. He's got two dogs, and he's at a board. I was like, that'd be convenient if you yeah. just left it at um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody else's house. house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oops, how did it get you? <laughs> <laughs> the book is called How to Talk to Anyone 
27 ways to charm, banter, attract, and captivate. Oh. Mm, wait, so you're playing into this manipulation? Mm. No. I'm As far as like the podcast, <laughs> I didn't realize how much of a... I knew it was a mush mouth, but I didn't realize how much of a mush mouth he was until we started doing the podcast. Because like I had to go back and edit and listen... And then people would be like, I could understand him. But then people listening, it's an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're lazy with your words, people are going to tune out. And then if like today we were talking to somebody and he gets so excited, he'll cut people off. Mm-hmm. And it's like that doesn't work in conversations. So it's it's to better him. It's not to bully him. You know, okay, but just the, the title, some of the, the things that followed, I'm like, like, this yeah. sounds like manipulation. <laughs> How to get why we need to bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, like, she's just, you know, like. I do say things really fast sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's what by what's in the book is like think of what you're gonna you know obviously think what you're gonna say before you right. say it. Like yes. be one sentence ahead, be one sentence ahead, I guess, in your mind, and then as it's coming out. Right. Well, the book is telling you like when you're listening to somebody talk, you're not always waiting to reply, or like say you have an idea oh. instead of cutting the person off, you just let the thing go. Right. Have you just read, listen. Have you read this book? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being reading it right now. The same book? Yeah. Oh. You know, all those damn, things. Also- damn, I'm going to have to read that shit now because <laughs> he's going to be like, so what you. No, I could tell. I could tell if nothing improves that you didn't read the book mm. or you didn't take notice or take heed of that what you were doing. All right, so Tony, though, page, Go. I want to hear you, though. Give me at least two affirmations for your buddy over there. <sighs> I feel like he's gotten a lot of criticism and I just I feel like he needs a couple of good affirmations. Next week yeah, on Wake Up Podcast. <laughs> no, I, I always say good things about him. I'm the type of person Such that as? I'll talk shit to his face, but then I say good things behind his back. I've I never always, heard a good thing about, about I always, you towards you, if, Raul. If you listen to his podcast, because our friend Michelle asked that same question one time. She's like, say something good about each other. I say good things about him. I'll get to the point where I'm going to say good things about him. I say good things about him, and he's like, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> That's not true though, because I did say I was made, I made a joke out of this question, and then she and I can't remember what I don't remember what I said because mm-hmm. that was like over a hundred episodes ago I think, but like uh, I always do tell people that you know he always does look out for me and stuff, mm-hmm. which is one hundred percent accurate. I tell him all the time. I'm gonna get to my thing real quick, but <laughs> I, I did. I tell him all the time. I'm the best thing that's happened to you besides coming out of your mom's, mom's pussy. pussy. Besides Wait, what? Your mom's coming out of his mom. Ah. Your brother? No, him. I'm the best <laughs> oh, thing that's oh, happened okay, to him okay, okay. since gotcha, coming gotcha. out of his mom's pussy. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. My mom loves me. No, but like, mm. I'm, I'm a mama's boy. I'm the only friend of his that has been there for him. This is how he makes him feel self better. No, see, this is the thing. He can he can never be serious about anything. But I, I'm being serious. I'm sorry. I've bettered him. Like, he used to be really, really big. I'm his only friend that ever tried to help him lose weight. Like, I'm always there for this kid. Can you get to the point where you say good things about me? Yeah, because this still doesn't sound very positive. This sounds like you affirming yourself. <laughs> I'm a really good friend. Let me tell you how good of a friend I am. No, because everybody thinks I bully him, but it's like, that's bullshit. Man. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think he has a good heart. He just needs to be no, open uh-uh. with it. Nope, you don't get to qualify it. No, this is, I'm telling you, I'm try- everything I say <laughs> about Raul is for his betterment. I don't say anything to tear him down, like just to be mean. Okay. So he's a good heart. He has a good heart. And um, mm. (laughs) it shouldn't be this hard, man. (laughs) You make it hard. Let's see. I would say you're there for people, but it's on your time. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I'm there for people all the time. On your time. Like how many times I've asked you to do something, you say no, but then Nick asks you to come fucking do leaves and you go do that with Nick. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. You're such a liar, man. But what now? I didn't stutter. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. You're there for people on your time. I mean, let's be honest. Is, it, is anything I said not true? What? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, listening is not a thing that's a good quality of yours. Well, well go ahead. I don't know. I mean, Tony, like, what do you, when do you most enjoy, Raul? It's been tough this last couple of years, to be honest with you. <laughs> and this is something I've told him this. I've told him this. Like, there's periods of time. This is the thing I always tell him. I don't have any other relationships where I don't talk to people that are supposedly a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we have other friends of ours that are, like, kind of over the shtick. You know, so it's just like, that's why we're always like, you need to mature. You need to grow up. Like I said, when you see people in pockets, it's one thing like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't see what somebody else sees. But if somebody is constantly being annoying or a nuisance or just to be a dick to be a dick, it gets old. The stick gets old and you're just like kind of tired of it. And like I said, we always tell them this for better. But it's just like you shouldn't have to stop talking to somebody for them to want to change. You should. I think as a per, like, especially as a man, like I know they say mature men mature a lot later. Some men don't mature to like 45, unfortunately. Oh, geez. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't know. I just think that if all your other friends are trying to do something, you should want to. They say you're some of the five people you hang out with. So that, like that's true, yeah. But I also don't feel like people are, this is, I'll just speak for myself. I don't know that I'm super, I know that I'm not, I'm not motivated by criticism or critique. Um, well, I'm, I don't think he's motivated by positive either. Yeah. Okay. Like he's, he's motivated by attention, good or bad. Mm. Well then, okay, there you go. Go off of that. So what's, if you could name one thing, I'm, I'm curious to know, how do you see, how do you see Tony elevating you? Oh, he always tells me good things to, to help me. Like, what's every- one thing that will come up to your mind? Like, And then I'm going to ask you the same about him. Like, what's one thing about you that he's done that has elevated you? Uh, he's made me a better person, like, to talk when I talk to people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. How I talk to people. He's okay. always like, it's not, he says it's not what you say, it's how you how say, you say it. it. Because, you know, if, my, if there's, there's an incident that we are, I'm not going to talk about, but, like, he's like, if you didn't say it like that, it may have not come off, right. mm-hmm. you know, so, and then, um, what was the other question? Well, so, so for you, Tony, I'm sure that has, he has done something for you that has somehow elevated you or made you feel better. What has been something that he has done for you throughout the whole friendship journey? Because if he wasn't a good person, Y'all still wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't be here. If he was like a, uh, you know, a criminal or a, a shitty person, you wouldn't be here with him. So there has to be some type of affection and appreciation. This podcast has turned. People don't ask us questions like this. <sighs> what has he done to better my life, you're saying? Why? Why? Why are you still? You're gaining something out with him? from why are you this still relationship. With him? Right? Am I though? I don't think we do anything without some kind, some right. kind of benefit. Or, yeah. 
We're too selfish. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I can't think of anything that he's ever just done. So do you think it's more of a life references with him? You know, when you have, when you know someone for so long, like there has to be like, I'm not going to be with, with the friend for years, just like hating you or, I mean. Well, I don't think the hatred or the disdain starts happening until recently. Like it's been, it's been more challenging to be his friend since, I don't know, maybe it's like a, I matured. And he hasn't, or like I said, maybe it's the mushrooms thing. I don't know, but there's been a definite shift. And I, I if you're going to be honest, you have to admit that our relationship has changed over the last couple of years. Like, I don't talk to you like I used to. Yeah. Okay. One thought here. Can you define what is maturity to you? You mentioned that over the couple of years you have mature. What has, what have you done or, or in what have you evolved to consider yourself to be, you know, more mature? So like, I would never, okay, so I work from home now, right? I would never go intentionally bother somebody or make noises to try to just get underneath their skin to get a reaction. Like, and in in I would do that just in a funny way, if, you know, if but I want to annoy my every, friend, I would do that. If it's every day and you don't know what this person's <laughs> well, been going through. Well, of course, boundaries, yeah, of course, yeah. And if somebody has said something, hey, stop doing that, and then you continue to do it, that's a problem. Do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. I where, have two brothers. Where do you fall? I'm the youngest. Okay, that makes sense. But see, that's the thing. Everybody's always like, oh, that's just Raul. And that's not the case. Like, you have to be uh, emotionally mature, mature enough to be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. It doesn't always, it doesn't always like, fit in the situation. Right, I get it. The, the, mm-hmm. I get it, yeah. And like I said, I come off as an asshole, but like I said, it's just people don't see what I have to see. Or I don't have I to say it, but I never said you were. I'm not saying. saying well, are, are we? Uh, is this okay? Though? You're thinking I from mean, the outside. Pe- yeah, there's not too much pressure on Raul right now. <laughs> what now? Do we, no, do we I mean y'all are. From this y'all are topic? I mean, it seems like because it's like people are like, "Oh, well, why are you being that way?" Because I get that a lot, and I'm sure people say that to him, but it's like they don't. They only see his. They're only seeing it from like outside looking in. Mm. They're not seeing the inside. And like I said, it's it's not just me. It's other friends that have they'll say it to me, but they won't say it to him. And I'm like, say it to him, but they they don't want to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I would rather hurt somebody's feelings in the short term than long term. Be like, hey, I let you just go down this dark path and not try to help you. Well, out. if there's one thing that I appreciate about you is that if it, you seem like you're being very authentic and honest, yeah. um, and I would much rather like know how I stand with a person rather than them have these feelings towards me that like they're not expressing yeah um yeah the only reason i I guess how it started i just was asking for a couple affirmations and then like i guess what's the next topic so let me think let me me think uh two things oh my gosh i can't even every time i look over there i'm just like (laughs) you should you should at least feel it once i feel my pussy just clench up like (laughs) finger once (laughs) Move it to her, Andres. Let us in front of it. Can I, is this what I get from the, from completing the podcast? Yeah, that's your that's your parting gift. <laughs> Was that expensive? Pocket pussy. <laughs> oh, what you want it? Buy one for my birthday? No. Where did you get that thing from? I think I got probably that on Miami. EBay. Some strip book in Miami. Yeah, I think I got that on eBay. 
But yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, man. But like I said, I just think that you should always try to elevate the people around you. Yes, 100%. And like I said, you can you can say something so many times before it's like a broken record. And you just get But actually, I did I did uh, read this article a few months ago. It really takes someone a certain amount of repetitions and repetitions and repetitions for someone to actually get it. Mm-hmm. Like what could be an example? Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's it. Sometimes humans, like you have to tell them again and go do it, go do it, go do it, go do it until finally somehow something sparks. And then like eventually, even though they, they are acknowledging it and they understand, mm-hmm. but it has happened to me. I am an example that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it works for some people. For me, I'm not saying that there maybe isn't a piece of that, but part of it is like someone can tell me something all day long to their blue in the face, but until I get there on my own, there's no force in it. Well, that goes back to the whole thing. You can't want something more than somebody wants it for themselves. Oh, yeah. you can. What did they say? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. I mean, However, you just have to be in that spot yourself. And I also mm. think we never know what somebody's de- like. We never know the full picture of someone's story, like what's going on in their head, mm. where their heart's at. Right. I mean, we can but, assume a lot of things, but we just never know where somebody's at. But I think, too, it's like one of those things where you have to be willing to do the work and be open to, like I said, admitting your own faults. Mm-hmm. And if you think your actions are always pure and perfect, you're never going to change your direction. I just um, recently read um, a book. I just finished it. It's this book on shame. And one of the things that it was just like really talking about is like how we stay, especially like in the cre- like in our creativity and mm-hmm. like imagination and our ability to like hope and desire and all these things that like shame just keeps us like so captive. And I think shame even keeps us from changing a lot of times. And it talks about like the the remedy for that is community and like bringing all of those like shameful parts of us or like the things that we, that are hurtful or painful that we don't want to talk about, like bringing those out and like talking about them in community. Um, I forget where my point was, but I guess just thinking about like people wanting to change. And I wonder if sometimes what keeps people held back. And I can say, I can definitely see this in my own life is like shame definitely is something that can be crippling at times and like keep you from fully, like moving forward and especially going into like the more creative realms um, where you kind of have to leave any self-consideration aside. I feel like when you're being creative, you really have, you know, there's such risk when we, when we step into like creativity and we do have to kind of let go of um, any like thoughts of what people, if people rejecting us or not wanting us or us us not being enough. Um, So, yeah, I think it's very multifaceted. I don't think there's simple answers for a lot of things. So have you done a lot of self-work? <laughs> I have, actually, yeah. In what ways, would you say? Bettering myself. I used to have, like, back in middle school, I used to have this massive anxiety, social anxiety. Uh-huh. Massive. Literally. And I guess since I'm aware, I have always worked on myself when it comes to having a balanced life, um, social social life, entrepreneurship, um, Everything in general, yeah. What about yourself? Um, yes. I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I started seeing a therapist a long time ago, um, and I think that's been part of my journey is working with a with a therapist. Um, 
and then like my spiritual life, just connecting with God and people um, like in my religious community. Um, I, I read a lot too. Um, I think reading is a big way um, that I've grown and I'll read multiple books on the same topic if I'm really just trying to like dive into mm. something. And then just like, I think one of the biggest ways that I develop is just through relationships with other people, mm. like seeking out those good, true friends that you can be authentic with and honest um, and that will call you on your bullshit. Yes. Um, I think that we cannot develop as people without relationship. Like we can't do that in isolation. It takes other people that are like moving and not only other people, but people that have the same goals that you do and are moving in the same direction. Um, what is that thing that I always heard growing up is like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm. And I think that that's really applicable. Like even as an, as an adult, um, that it matters who we surround ourselves with. Um, so I have a standing dinner with my BFF. Um, at my house every Thursday night, what and we that? just sit and talk about life. That's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I shouldn't even be seen with him, you know. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that's like the sum of the five people. That's what we were talking about earlier. It's uh, like you hang yeah. out with good people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, I really, I really appreciate. I if there's a quality that I appreciate on people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Actually, went, did you tell him we went to yoga? Yeah, to, I, told, I think I told you guys. There's we went this to move. Yoga I've never done yoga before. I like meditation. Mm. Yoga is tough, bro. Sorry, especially no, especially I have this. <laughs> I was in front of the of the instructor. <laughs> there's this one pose that's very uncomfortable. I mean, first of all, there's one pose that is very feminine, right? Which and one? I like, you have to stick your ass like towards <laughs> the back. The cat and cow. And oh, like like downward this. dog. No, no, I guess like, I'm not that flexible. And then I'm seeing the instructor right in front of me doing this pose, and I'm like, "Oh Lord, I'm trying to focus." And then there's another position where you have to keep your your leg. It's it's not easy, right? <laughs> Pigeon. But it's very relaxing. I fell asleep for like five minutes. Um. Anyways, I forgot why I was saying this. I was I saying this? The best oh, part. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. You were saying something. The best part of the uh, yoga is at the very end where you just relax that's awesome. and you just you know yeah. the be- that's yeah. like because my buddy that teaches us that does teaches yoga he's like oh, it's not gonna be that hard of a yoga thing today like and we're all dying doing it it's like <laughs> i was like jared nobody believes you anymore when you say that because you always say it's not that hard it's always hard as shit yeah and like but the best part is when you just lay eyes closed that's the yeah yeah it's like yeah. oh yeah hey I think one of the things that almost like brought me to tears, and this is, I think I still remember my first class um, years ago. And one of the things that the teacher would say is that like, she said, there's just like, just by showing up, you like, that's enough. And one of the things when I'm laying in Savasana, a thought that I always like come back to is like, just this feeling of like, it's me without doing, I'm completely still, I'm not doing anything, exerting no effort. And like, just letting that be enough. Like in this moment, I am enough without like, Because I've heard teachers say that over and over again, like, yes, you want to push yourself and you do want to do a good job. But really, yoga is not about doing. Um, A lot of it is just about, like, simply being. And that has been, like, huge for me. And I never thought about what he was teaching us when we just, you know, relax and lay there, Mm -hmm. eyes closed, listen to the music, get in the zone. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was like, damn, man, this is more than I thought it was. And, you know, it's, it's just rela- relaxing, clear thoughts. Yeah. Take yeah. that energy yeah. into the day. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You were going to say something, though, about yoga and the teacher and yesterday. Is, is the teacher hot? 
Oh yeah, fuck yeah, she's gorgeous. And then I'm like, fucking, who is the teacher? I'm fucking trying to. I'm be not saying. Present. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm here trying to be present. She's like, there's no past or future. Just stay in the in this zone or in the moment. And then she's fucking giving me a massage on my back. <laughs> I, I am not present right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my head is all over a different thing. <laughs> But it was definitely worth it. I enjoyed it. Are you going to go back? I don't know. I wanted to go. So this huh. was like a restorative class. So it was very, very calm, very gentle. But I've practiced Ashtanga, which is a much more intense practice. So I want him to come to that because. I want to try that one. Yeah. He came in going like, I'm ready for headstand. And yeah. she's like, oh, this is not that type of class. <laughs> um, so I want him to experience the more dynamic mm. um, class as well. Y'all should come up to my buddy's class. It's called Zen Kettlebell. Okay. So Where the is first, it? I've first 25 media, yeah. minutes is kettlebell work. Ah, and okay. then the last 30 minutes or 30 and 30 um, is the yoga part. Okay. Where is this? <clears throat> he teaches it out at um, Apex Wellness. Okay. So he's strong for certified and is also a yogi. I okay. forget what, what like brand. Yoga Alliance or whatever. Yeah. Oh. And, um, real. It was at one time. He, um, <laughs> yeah, his class, it, it, it's good. It's tough. Like, okay. yeah. Is this Jared? Yeah. Um, How do you know Jared? No, you just said his name earlier. Oh, no, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I should have played along. <laughs> he, he's rubbing off on you, She's man. She's biased. See, I tell you. <laughs> no. See how he's playing like. the victim? I liked. See? Uh, I like. Exactly, Andre. Maybe it's when they're not born in America, it's a victim mentality uh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Yeah, I don't know. It's getting rough. Mm. Rough oh, waters. Sorry. So Rahul is half Indian, right? Um, <laughs> no. What do you think he's mixed with? Well, I mean, he could be Egyptian. Uh, let me. Everybody see. thinks he's Hispanic. Really? Well, because my name is Rahul, right? Mm-hmm. So well, by everyone his name, just, uh, everyone just see, uh, uh, assumes that I'm a Mexican because sometimes I look Mexican. Okay. Most of the time, they think I'm Mexican. Okay. Really? So everybody, everybody, I don't think you look I swear to God, every a lot of people that we know are also like my accounts and stuff. Yeah. They assume because of my name and my skin color. They right. just well, you assume. say your name. You where let were people you born? mispronounce your name. Right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, what? Where Where were you born? Uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. South Africa. So you're half South African? No, my parents are Indian. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but I, I, I was just, either. I was. Yeah. See, that's You don't look Indian. You look like Egyptian to me. Uh-huh. And then like. Yeah. But like, I, so that's what I told my mom. I was like, "Am I adopted?" I'm just kidding around. And <laughs> it like, makes sense because you don't have an accent, or at least, I yeah, mean, yes. I think that's what's difficult is a lot of times you identify based on like, yes, like how people look like parents, but also like mm-hmm. how they speak. I uh, bought him a twenty-three and Me. He hasn't taken it yet. Oh, you should take it. He's fun. Wait, what? Twenty-three and Me genetics oh, DNA. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna find out you're not really your mom's baby. Imagine what if oh you find God. out that you're from so, somewhere in like fucking. Ecuador or some shit. What, what are you going to do? Hey, then he's going to be like, everything makes sense. <laughs> Those are going to be like, finally proof. <laughs> I mean, two of his brothers are doctors and then we have him. It's a podcast presenter. What are you talking about? What now? He is the podcast, man. He's a star, <laughs> man. He created everything. He, he Thank you. See? Yeah. Good. I like this. See, look yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is like nothing without him. Right. It's so funny. People will text him about the podcast. He gets so mad. And I I feel insulted. Because if you listen to the podcast or you hang around him long enough, you know as far as like creative wise, he's not a creative person. Here we go again. 
Mm. No, I'm just speaking facts. <laughs> Are you a creative person? Do you always ask me for help to do Everyone stuff? is creative in some way. What have you created, Ro? I'm not sure. <laughs> do we say creator or creative? I, I feel like I want to kick it with you and just like get to know you as a person, aside from all this BS, and just see for myself That's right. who, who you are. All right, y'all do that. Y'all become bosom buddies. Okay, this is... Oh, no, so yeah, people text me like technical questions about like specs and boards and all that shit. I'm like... Yeah, man, I'm not even gonna try to lie to you, bro. Like, um, call Tony. <laughs> like, they're like, what? Like, yeah, Tony does editing. I can tell you what it, the thing is called. Outside of that, yeah. I can tell you how to hook the stuff up into it. Yeah. I can probably plug it in, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to edit or any of that stuff. They're like, oh, okay, okay. So, so call Tony, huh? I was like, yeah. Why do you think people tend to call you? How do you? Yeah. I'm not sure if I like you more than Tony. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a hard time. Like sometimes I, I do go tend to go kind of deeper than I feel like, and I never know. I never feel. I never know exactly where people are at and like what they're open to. But I, don't know. I also want to be like, how do you think people experience you? Like, how do you think you make people feel when they're around you? Good. Um, because I, if people are calling you, like you obviously make people feel a certain way. Like even in the short time that I've been here and yeah. gotten to know you, like you know, you you are like a. I feel comfortable in your presence, and you do, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody's duped. <laughs> no, but um, I don't know. I don't know why they call me instead of you know because they know it's the both of us. And like, they never call Tony. Is I'm, it the both of us? Well, it's the ninety-nine percent Tony, but you know, and it's one hundred percent me. No, 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 no. I had the LLC. It was my name. I created it. I create the it's logo. It's not about what you have. <laughs> I, bought all the, I bought all the equipment. All right, so what are y'all's day jobs? I want to know. I do IT work. IT and? Yeah. Uh, I work for Budweiser. Oh, okay. Free Budweiser. What do you do for them? I'm a sales manager. Hey, what do you have more dealer then? That's, so uh, you guys be hustling. That's uh, a brand that we distribute. Mm. Modelo. And Corona. Oh, my Constellation brands. Hmm. Okay. So when we did the, when I did my ayahuasca thing, mm. they ask you, what do you want to throw into the fire? And so like, what do you, what, what would you like change about yourself or what do you uh, forgive yourself? So if you had to throw something in the fire, what would you throw in the fire? Oh, wow. So I want to be more appreciated of things. So if I could just throw in the fire all the materialistic things, everything, right? And just enjoy what I have at that present moment. Because the reality is really like if you're not dying, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not dying in a hospital bed, we really don't have a problem, right? Bills, um, bills, relationships, you know, friendships, of course, these are problems, but they're not real problems. There are people dying, you know, you know, starving to death um, in the hospital. So just getting rid of all the materialistic things for me, that would do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This seems very um, out of reach, but if I could and it would truly go away, I think uh, I still have. I really battle like resentment with my dad. Mm. And if I could just let go of that resentment and that would be something. 
to me, it just seems like daily work. But if there was a way to just throw it in the fire, yeah. that's what I would do. Would you, ever, question, yeah. would you ever do ayahuasca? Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to, what do they say? Never say never. Right. Um, but in the moment, in right now, in this moment, I would say probably no. Um, I do, um, I value self-control and the ability to like just make, not, not because I necessarily have to have control, but I, I want, I take responsibility for mm-hmm. my actions and I always want to, we were talking about earlier, I heard yesterday about blaming things on alcohol or substances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never want to be like, oh, I didn't mean to. It was just because da, 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 da. And so it scares me to think that I might lose control in some way and take an action or experience something that I'm not, that I didn't really want to experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the scary part for me. So you're not, you're not sure what you would see. Yeah. And also, I don't know that there's like, I can't, I've never heard a benefit that was greater than the risk. So to me, there would have to be, in order for me to risk whatever, there would have to be a benefit that I thought was worth it. And I just, for me personally, I think, yeah, I think there's other ways for me to achieve things um, without using substances. I mean, I've I've heard that really spiritual work, meditation, and that's really, it's the, the alternative to, you know, doing all these rituals. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard, uh, who is who is this guy? Kevin Hart. Not Kevin Hart. Uh, Gates. Oh, yeah. Have you have you heard of his podcast before where he's done all these crazy rituals? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, social media, it's a front. But this guy seems to, I don't know, just the energy that he gives online. And when you hear him on interviews, he just... He feels present, right? Mm-hmm. And he's done all this crazy stuff, and he said that there's really no need. I, I, he says that this is like a shortcut when you do all these rituals, but through meditation and, and breathing work, you can really accomplish these things. Because I've heard, I had an in-depth conversation with someone once who was talking about um, like psychedelics or mushrooms and all that, and I asked if those experiences, if things from those experiences were carried past that moment and he was basically like no like it's an experience and it's kind of like for him it was isolated to that time period Mm. and i'm like well what's the benefit i mean yeah that's great that you had this experience but for i want long term like you know what i mean like i would want to carry that into my present like if i had these enlightenment enlightening moments or if i was throwing things into the fire i don't want it just to be for this brief period and that's why I say the resentment thing, that's a daily work for me. Yeah. Um, because I want that to carry that because it affects it affects our everyday. And so um, it's yeah. like we said in the very beginning, if you don't practice what you learn from the Oscar trip daily, then you just did that for no reason. Right. Is that what didn't we say? That what, in the what do they what are their follow up things? Is it different from what do you mean now? Like you're saying after the ritual, there are things that you have to continue following, oh, you, following you know, up like with. When you when you throw in something in the fire or whatever, like you still have to be a good person after oh, that, yeah. right? I mean, you just can't go back to your normal. Gotcha. You have to be able to change to go at that. Right. I've never yeah. done it. I'm just right. speaking. But, right. but that's correct, right? So that's what Polly said, right? Yeah, you have to you have to want to put into work what you saw. Oh, which is on the change, trip. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. I'm so curious. It's almost like I need a journal. If I was to do it, I'd want a journal and be like, all right, not that I'd be able to interpret anything afterwards, but, you know. Well, also, don't you, isn't it the correct way to, like, don't you supposed to fast and stuff? 
or, cl- or cleanse your body. That's what they say. Like you're not supposed to like they want you to eat like a clean diet. You should um, if you're having sex, have sex with somebody you're constantly having sex with. Like mm-hmm. don't have sex with some random person and then go do the ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard that there shouldn't be any stipulations on the thing you do to do this medicine. Mm-hmm. So I've heard like two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think that's just what anything in life, though, as long as you constantly are being consistent with something and working on it, you're going to get better at it. Right. right. If you're not, you're half-assed stuff or you Mm -hmm. sell yourself short, you're never going to achieve anything. And I won't deny that, like, sometimes we do, it is nice to, in the work that you're doing, have a little boost or, like, something to help you along in your journey. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, But on the other side, too, it's like everything you're seeing is in your brain. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's already there, probably. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just act? You can just activate, activate it yourself, it, yeah. and you could probably do that, like you said, through meditation. Yeah, I mean, because just think about the dreams you have. Mm-hmm. Like you have dreams, or you daydream, or whatever. But it's always in your fucking head. It didn't. The signal didn't come down from satellite or something like. That, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Side so, note, I had this amazing dream about Matthew McConaughey last night. And it just, <laughs> because you said that, I just remembered, oh my gosh, you totally had that dream last night. <laughs> but see, yeah, I mean, it's just like, there's always stuff that's going through our, our heads. And so to, I don't know, I always say, just be kind, be a better person. And like I said, just constantly work on yourself. I mean, we're very fortunate to be here and be able to have this conversation. Because like I said, there's somebody right now that is dying and wishes they they, like I always say, we as people generally bitch about when we're sick, but we don't are we're not like blessed and happy that we're healthy. Right. <clears throat> At least on the surface, like all of us are fine on the surface, but none of us are thinking about that. You just because mm-hmm. like our bodies are breathing and pumping blood without oh, yeah. us even having to question anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but when you get sick, you're like, fuck, I hate being sick. Mm-hmm. So it's like just being appreciative and being oh, in that yeah. moment. Well, like the guy we had just before y'all came on, you know, uh, today, today, before we started recording, me and him and Tony, like we were talking about like weight loss and stuff like that. And his doctor said, hey, man, you need to lose some, we need to lose at least 180 to 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he was like, otherwise you're going to be diabetic because both his parents are diabetic. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's better to, it's better to get ahead of something than get it and then have to lose the weight. Because you're going to have to lose the weight regardless. Mm-hmm. You have to start doing that. But he's like, this way you won't be diabetic and having to lose the weight. You'll just be losing the weight mm-hmm. before that happens. Right. It's like one of those things. Do you want to take care of yourself now and cost you a little bit more to, like, I guess, like eat better? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to pay for pills and have cancer and all this Preach. other stuff like that? So Pre- and Preventive. It's, a, it's one of those things where. I There's think, a cost on either yeah. side. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where we usually take care of, like, possessions better than we do with the, the vessel that's mm-hmm. keeping us with mm-hmm. those possessions. And I got maybe it's just human nature, you know, like sometimes you just get into a rigmarole, you get into like this whole idea of your life just goes on. So you neglect the thing that is the most important asset we have, which is mm-hmm. our health. Everybody, like they say, health is wealth. Everybody needs to think about how many summons they have left. Yeah. Right. Sure. Damn. My guy. <laughs> I said that. 40. Oh. <laughs> 
No, I thought he said, said he. Oh, no, that was him to say that. That was oh, a blind bear. You said that a blind bear. Oh, I don't know he if you told remember. you that a blind bear. I thought you told him that a blind bear. No, well, every time oh. we we'll link up, every Sorry, time, my bad, dog. Every time we run into each other, we always end up talking about like philosophy we and have just good like conversations. Yeah. This is good. Deep, yeah, not the the typical over the surface, you know, mm. yeah. conversation. So I think that's why we connected that day at that party. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know him, and then he texts me the next day, and I'm like, ah, man, I'm good. I, I'm good. <laughs> did I text you? Did I text you? What did I say? No, I think we had stayed out late. Like, you were going to, like, Laughlin, or you are going, no, it was somewhere, because everything was still kind of closed down. Is this still going to Christian's house? No, no that, that was, wasn't the same That was, oh. that was um, the, the day we went to that place with the guy. The, yeah. Because it was right yeah. before your birthday because Katie Masters and all of them were with us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what we talked about. But we, obviously, it was a good, good conversation. And, yeah. And, and now we're yeah. here. But, um, yeah, man, like I said, just, I don't know, just try to do better. <laughs> like, I, I told him, he, he had sent something to us and my buddy Paulie in a group message. And, and I, I was like, there's no point in watching a motivational video if you're not going to apply it and use a discipline that it takes, you know, so you can consume something, but mm-hmm. at least do the work. And it's just like the ayahuasca and all that stuff. If mm-hmm. you're not, you can consume something, but if you're not going to put it to practice, well, uh, you're preaching. What's the point? You, yeah. Right. Right. So, makes sense. And like I said, I know I can come off as a bully. But, Don't look at me. But... <laughs> I mean, you're a Ralph sympathizer now, too. Yeah, sorry. I'm also a teacher, so there's like this <laughs> so probably teacher bit that I have. Yeah. But I think that you should always just want to see the people around you do better. Like yeah. I said, you want you want you don't want to be a crab in a bucket. You don't want to bring people down. You want to be monkeys in a barrel, always pulling Absolutely. people up. I mean, that's one some of, the- of that is like just lived by our life. Like. I don't know, just kind of like the influencing other people just by like um, just through your friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of how we bring people up is just simply setting an example and like being a leader in that way. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly why some people don't like me because I'm, I'm straight up. I'll tell you straight up mm-hmm. what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the, yeah. the fact of people telling you like what you should hear just to, you know, mm-hmm. keep a friendship or... I don't really admire that. Like yeah. you can sometimes notice it immediately of the bad. You know? I mean, that's yeah. why we're friends yeah. is yeah. simply because like, I, I trust you yeah. and I feel like you're honest. And I think yeah. the key to knowing when someone's that for me, the indicator, a big indicator on like if someone's being honest or not is when they tell you things that they have no reason to tell you do not make them look good in any way. But it's just this, like you could have chosen not to say that. Uh, but you yeah. cho- instead yeah. you chose to be vulnerable and open yourself up and say something that doesn't paint you in a pretty light but yet we connect you know it was opening that door for connection and I, I, to me when somebody's not so concerned with their self image that they right. can just be honest um and i think that to me is a huge indicator that those yeah. people i go i gravitate towards those people yeah because it's like that this is jordan peterson thing it's like <laughs> don't be weak but be vulnerable mm. yeah Vulnerability is not weakness. Yeah. To me, that's strength. Yeah. All right. It shows that you know who you right. are and that nobody's going to fuck with that. Mm-hmm. I should admire that when someone is vulnerable. Yeah. So if you were to ask somebody in your friend group, like a close person, something you need to work on, would would you be willing to do that? And what do you think they would say to you? Mm, good question. Well, I do that. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I do that all the time. If, if people ask me or even if it's someone that I care for, I will tell them like... 
you know, I don't appreciate if you, like, for example, I had a friend of mine that she's so great. She's so great. She's so, she sees the best in people, mm -hmm. right? And if she, even if she doesn't have to, and even if, for example, in my case, even if I don't want telling people telling me what to do or what I should do, when someone has the balls to tell you, hey, listen, I don't appreciate the way you, you looked at me or the way you said this to me, just FYI, you know, try to be better. Um, I admire that because they're, they're leveling me up. They're, you know, making me aware that I need to work on teams, even though I may not want to hear it, mm -hmm. but they have the balls to do it, yeah. to make me better. So um, if I had a friend, like there's this friend that um, she is a great person. She's always elevating people, telling them, you know, what's what you need to work on and stuff like that. But sometimes like the fact of you wanting to know a lot of their personal inf information, like wanting to know this and that and this is because it just gives you energy that she wants to talk about it, mm. you know, everywhere. So I don't, one of the qualities that I don't appreciate on people, it's when they're always trying to know mm. because they love to, you know, people talk. Like a busybody. Right. Yeah. And so, and I've done that before that, you know, you, you shouldn't, there are things that are not meant to say, right? There are things that if you ask me, and I say, no, that's how you can tell where someone is really not, you know, talking other people's business. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I tell people straight up, you know, even if I don't know that, even if I'm not close to them, I'll call them on their bullshit. And they sometimes they don't like what, what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. You know, it's not a big deal. If if everybody was to like you, then you wouldn't really be yourself. Mm -hmm. you well, they say that's if everybody true. likes you, know? you don't know enough people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What do you, what would you say about yourself? What would you, uh, if you were to ask people what you need to work on or what would you work on? Um, it's hmm. a good question. Um, these are the questions you should give people beforehand so that they can think about them and have the answer ready. Because I don't want to just give a flipping answer. Like, I, you know. You want to think about it. I want to yeah. think about it. But also, I mean, I feel like because I can't just rattle one off, it's like, okay, are you really self-reflective? You know, because mm. I feel like when you are reflective, you do know your flaws. Um, and I think one thing that I, I mean, I think one thing is I probably hold people to really high standards. Um, but I think that's because I, I hold myself to really high standards. Mm -hmm. And I think that that comes across to other people, even though I want to say that I'm this super empathetic, understanding, kind, loving person. And I think that's also true. Yeah. But I do. Yeah, I think I do expect a lot of people. And sometimes, um, yeah, it's sometimes in a, just an unfair way and without, yeah, trying to see multiple perspectives. Like, I don't want to ever impose my own. Well, it's like I expectations guess, on others. It's like one of those things where just because you think something something is the right way to do something doesn't mean that somebody else thinks it's the right way Absolutely. to do it. Too. Yeah. Like I'm guilty of that. Like, uh, like I said, just because I think I live my life a certain way, I would assume that other people should live their life that way mm -hmm. too. But it's not always the case. Right. And it's like I said, it's that whole thing. You can only control your actions. You can't Absolutely. control somebody else's mm -hmm. actions. Yep. And like I said, it, we, I mean, we have free will, so you can choose, you can pick and choose what you want to deal with and what you don't want to deal mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Do you have time? I mean, what is your thing you would work on? <laughs> what? I mean, you have headphones on, man. Right in your ear. Oh, oh, sorry. Coming around to you. I thought you said time. I was like, what? Like, I said, oh, 
Um, tone. Mm. Learning how to say <laughs> say it in my mind before I just say it. I really need to work on that, mm. and I have been working on that because, like, it Tony, Tony, and you know, Nick also said it. It's like it's not what you said to that person; it's probably how you said it to that person. I pissed them off, and mm. the it went from this big. Now it's this big mm -hmm. because they probably said shit, and then you probably said shit back or whatever. Right. Like, but that's definitely. One thing. I sure. guess I misunderstood your question then. After you meant like if I had a friend that I would tell something to work on. So now that I get your question, if I had a friend that wanted to that I wanted to get feedback from, what would I change? Or what do you think their feedback would be? Right. I think just being have more sympathy, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can be a little too strong with, you know, not being more empathetic about others. You know, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, everybody has different feelings. Everybody's case by case. You know, it's just like I said, what we were saying earlier, not everything is, is you know, one size fits all. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. It's not easy, man. Like I said, it's not easy to... to to be self-reflective and be like, man, am I the problem? Am, am I the reason why the things are going on the way they are? Right. You know, what like about when, you, Tony? when I did my fire thing, I talked about better communication. Mm. Cause I think like, especially back in the day, like when people, when I first started hanging out with like our friend group, I wouldn't say shit. Like I didn't talk at all. Hmm. And then people would be like, what's wrong with him? Does he hate <laughs> us? And all this other shit like that. And I'm like, no, I don't hate you. It's just, you know, I grew up in a in a way where it's like you're supposed to be seen, not heard. Mm, yeah. Hmm. So that's just it was always ingrained in me. And so like talking about feelings and stuff was very weird. <laughs> Hugging people was beyond. That was really fucking strange for me. Um, and it's not something that is easy, but, you know, it's constantly have to, you know, work and, you know, put in some effort yeah. into it. Is that for your mom and dad? The, yeah. your, the way you were raised? Mm. Both? Yeah. So was your dad type of, I didn't mean to interrupt you, was your dad type of, you know, don't show your feelings at all. That's weak. I That's remember, weak I remember when I was in first grade and something happened at school and I started crying and it got back to my dad mm. and my dad's like, we don't cry. Men don't cry. Wow. Mm. And that was just like something that just stuck in my head. And I can count on my hands how many times I've cried in my entire life. Mm. But it, it's just like, it's not weakness. Not, you know, it's not. just like, I mean, if men weren't supposed to cry, why do we have tear ducts? Right. You know, so there's nothing wrong with being emotional. I mean, yeah, I mean, some people can probably take it to a different degree. but <laughs> You know, that's who they are, though. You know, we have to we have to understand that. But what are you smiling about? She was laughing. When you said not another degree, I think she's meant me. No, I was. No, I was. <laughs> you two are supposed to be like partners. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I was like, wait. No, wait. I did not. But I know we can all think of people who like yeah. have taken that emotional thing to like a whole yeah. other level. Yeah. I was not thinking about you. Oh, but when you I've look, not seen when, you cry. No, <laughs> but when you look right at me, I was like, <laughs> that's not laughing. It's like, sorry, my bad. Sorry. Mm. Apologize. Wasn't about you. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Narcissist. Everything's about <laughs> But hey, but what's your thing, Tony, if people were going to give you feedback? I would probably say, like, maybe on a relationship level, it'd probably be uh, 
showing more emotion. Mm, okay. Yeah. I think they would probably tell me. Because I've had people say, like, over text, I'm fine. But then, like, when I'm in person with them, it's not the same. Interesting. But see, like, I always say, like, they've had time to, well, especially, like, some of the people I've hung out with in the past, like, they've had time to decompress. So, like, they get off work at 3 o'clock. Mm. I get off at 7. Then I see them at 7, 8 o'clock. And then they're all like, ah, 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 and I'm just right. like, you know, oh, man. You, you know. need a period of time yeah. to just kind of chill. Yeah. And see, maybe that's the same thing with him. Like, he's off work, and I'm still working. And then it's just like, dude, yeah. I'm not I'm not on your job fucking with you. That's super valid. Do you express that to people? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. I'm glad you. Yeah. Well, like, oh, and then, like, that's why we stopped doing podcasts during the week. He's like, man, we got to stop booking them during the week because mm-hmm. I only, you know, I only get off at eight and then you, you're ready to turn around right on eight 30 and do a podcast, mm-hmm. which is fine that they're giving us our time, but try to book them on the weekends if you can. Yeah, like if sense. it's like, if they cannot do it on, you know, we haven't had that issue yet, you know, so I haven't been, hey, man, this person really wants to do the podcast, but you know, but like, it's just one of those things like, you know, I never think about that. Like, oh, that's true. You just got off at fucking 805 and now uh-huh. it's 830. We're about to have a two hour conversation with our yeah. guest yeah. or, you know, however long it is. Like yeah. you never got time to just to chill and not do shit. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. But I think communication, relationships, friendships and comprehension are very important mm-hmm. because you can communicate with somebody. But if they don't comprehend what you're saying, you're just speaking to a wall. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's all. I mean, we we've all have stuff to work on, and we're everybody has issues, and everybody has their demons, and some are louder than others, you know. And like I said, we all have faults, and to realize that, you know, we all have something to work on and better ourselves is the best thing we can do as a person. Just in having this conversation, it's making me think I need to actively like ask friends, like open myself up to that, and just be like. Just, I don't know, open myself up to feedback because so much of the time I'm like, how do people experience me? Mm-hmm. Because then you don't know how people are experiencing you. And I think that's really hard to, unless people voluntarily like ask for it. Yeah. I don't know that people are just like throwing out, hey, I know you haven't asked, but like, let me tell you all the things that I think you need to work on. Yeah. Um, so I think it might be helpful just to open that door to like people that are safe, not just anybody, but yeah, like yeah. my safe, my safe people. All right. And I think sometimes you can't always listen to what everybody says because everybody's going to have <laughs> True, their, like, their same, yeah. you know, <laughs> she's like him. They're going to have their preconceived ideas about you that may not even be you at all. Or maybe it's Very something true. like a reflection of themselves. Like, yeah, projecting. Yeah. So, you know, you have to just kind of cipher through or sift through that shit and see what is valuable and what's not valuable. Right. But if you probably hear the same things from multiple people. Yeah, like I said, the common denominator thing. Like, you have to, like, like I said, if you're always running the shitty people, maybe you're a shitty person. (laughs) Right, right, right. Or if you date the same type of people. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, like I said. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Because I, like, I love on Facebook, people will post stuff about their relationships or, you know, all this other shit. And it's just like. You're the, you know, you have to look at yourself in this. Mm-hmm. You pick that person. Right. And that says something about you. Yeah. Like if you're always having like a bad luck with people, like maybe you need to do the opposite. Do what George Costanza and do the opposite of what you have been doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But like I said, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But you have to be willing to, like I said, we're not here very long. Mm-hmm. You got to do the best, man. Because I, I really wish we could see like our end date. And when we look back on our life and be like, ah, I feel accomplished. Right. 
Um, you just made me think. I saw this quote online somewhere, and it was just talking about like choose your hard. Um, not mm-hmm. having any money and being broke all the time is hard. Mm-hmm. But hey, sticking to a budget and like saving money and like that's hard too. Yeah. Or like hey, being married is super hard and having kids and doing dealing with all the marriage bullshit is hard. But also being single and this is hard. I, I'm trying to. I wish I could remember like all the things. But it was like, oh, yeah, being, like, overweight and, like, having health issues is hard. Yeah, but also going to the gym and busting ass and sticking to a diet is That's the one I know I've seen, that gym one, yeah. But just, like, you could do that with a billion things. Mm -hmm. Like, life is going to be hard. It's like, which one are you going to choose? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like they say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. So you have to, you have to have some, I think you need some adversity in life, too. I think that. I think that like forms us too, because mm-hmm. if your life is always soft and easy, you're never gonna appreciate the things that you work for. Absolutely, and think about the kind of people that we like to be around. It's not the people that have had it easy. Yeah, I mean, it adds so much more depth to a person when they've been through some hard shit, and like, it just makes you more of a person. Mm-hmm. True. So I also like to ask this question. So they have this whole thing now where they're giving people their flowers. So, when, you know, when somebody passes away, you generally say something nice about that person. Like what you asked me earlier about him, which is very tough. <laughs> but what flowers would you give to somebody right now if you could? Because, you know, like death is generally for the family. It's not for the dead. As far as we know, we don't have anybody that says they know 100 percent where we go or where we're from or all this other shit. They're full of shit because you can't talk to them. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody like in particular, you don't have to name name, but like, who would you give flowers to? Who would I like? Who would I give flowers to? Like just to say uh, something good about them. That's living. That's living. But I guess because they're good people and they deserve flowers. Like who do you like? Say if you appreciate somebody uh-huh. instead, cause like there's a people we appreciate all the time that we don't say good things about mm, them. Right. Yeah. And like I said, there's this whole thing, like, say that person died, you're like, man, I wish I would have said that to them. Uh, that makes sense. I would give flowers to a very close friend of mine. He's now in Spain. But he eats a, he eats the type of person that would just call you on your bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. Andre, you, you're not supposed to be doing this. Um, Andre, you you know, what's your patterns? What's, what's what you're doing? A very adventurous guy. Like we have like the crazy, craziest trips in New Orleans. Very open to the unknown. Like I'm a big guy, open to the unknown. Go talk to go talk to random people. Go do something crazy, unknown. So I really, really relate to this guy. He's he's my best friend. Um he lives in Spain now. I will give I'll buy him a fucking table full of flowers. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say? Um, I would say it's definitely my best friend. We've been friends since high school and life has taken us in and out of each other's lives Mm -hmm. for different things. Um, but I just don't know that like, and I think we probably could say this both ways, but I don't know that we would have gotten to where we were. Um, or I wouldn't have made it to where I am without her. Um, just her consistency. She's the she's the number one most consistent person in my life. Even though we've drifted out of each other's lives, like I just know that if anything happens to her or me, like we will drop anything and be there for each other. Um, and we've both been through some hard shit. So like, 
it's definitely her. Um, I don't know that there's other people that have impacted my journey like along the way. Yeah. But she comes to mind most because she has been there the longest and mm-hmm. been most consistent. And I think she's impacted my life more than more than most other people. So that's good. What would you say? He's <laughs> looking um, <laughs> serious. Yeah. I would like to think about this question hmm. and then answer on the next episode we do. No, sure. that's not the way it works. No. <laughs> okay, then you go. Well, ask them the other questions and then I can. Well, yeah, well, answer, you can answer yours if you want. Okay. <laughs> so what is your advice for people and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? What is an advice to people? Yeah, what advice do you have for people? Actually, communication communication like you mentioned earlier just there's so many misunderstandings confusion killings separations for lack of communication people are afraid to i'm just big deep into communication yeah for people now saying sorry you know a lot of the times you really want to say sorry to someone but you don't have I i would just say the balls to do it right you don't have you have the ego of not doing it where you really, on the other hand, you really want to do it. And the other person is on the same position. And then you lost on, you could be your wife, you know, your husband, it could be your best friend, your mom, your dad, whoever it is. But this ego or this lack of communication has affected so many things in life. So if I was to give an advice would be just talk your feelings out. I'd rather you be more emotional and like a baby than being blocked mm-hmm. and have a front and not really express who you, you know, who you really are. Yeah. And what's the mark you see yourself leaving on the world? Helping others. I, I do love the fact of the, I know it sounds a little buoy like the life coach, but that's something that I want to try in the, in, at least in the next five years. I want to maybe like do a little, you know, open up a, like a virtual you know, a little business where I can help people for free yeah. starting, right? Just offer my services for free for people that are going through depression or people that are, you know, that they need some help anyhow. I'm sure that along the way, along all the things that I've done in life and, you know, through age, I will, I can show someone something. So, yes, just leveling people up. Yeah. Before you answer, let me ask you this quick. What do you think about how men are taught like I I mentioned how I grew up like how do you think about that mentality is like you're not supposed to be vulnerable you're not supposed to like like now like there's people that talk about like if a man's depressed he's weak he's a pussy he's all this other shit like how is your mentality on that big time the opposite <laughs> big time I'm, I am a I am a very emotional guy right uh emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. right so I will literally tell you, hey, I didn't appreciate the way you did this. Uh, of course, I'm a big, I'm big into crucial conversations, right? So my dad was a very emotional guy and my mom. So I was raised to always express yourself because what happens is that, um, well, and again, his Hispanic culture is also very touchy, you know, Hispanic mm-hmm. culture is always hugging, kissing, you know, so that it's, you know, of course, physical contact helps a lot to break rapport and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, I want to say, and I can speak for Colombia, which is where I, you know, I grew up. And then of course, uh, you know, Miami or America, um, 
expressing yourself like a man crying or a man crying over a girl or crying over a friend, it's something normal, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I was bring, I was going to bring another point, but um, yeah, I guess did that answer your question? Yeah, I guess yeah. There was well, something along those lines that I wanted to say, but well, it's also yeah. your culture that makes you like that. The way it's accepted that men can be vulnerable, cry, show emotions. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah. That's I think that's where you're going. Yeah, I don't think it's it's weak at all. I think it's actually. I rather you tell me, um, like I feel like I'm stronger if I tell you, hey man, listen, I, I really admire how you have. Uh, it could be a material material thing. I really admire how you have a lot of money. How did you do that? Or I really admire how you're so charismatic. How did you do that? Things like that. When someone comes up to you and say these things to you, I respect that, mm. right? Because it just shows that you you want to level up or you're strong enough to show who you really are instead of having a front. Yeah. So I don't think, I think it's the opposite. Yeah. How do you feel about men that are vulnerable and talk about their issues um oh i admire it i think it takes a lot of courage um for men to do that so i don't take it lightly i know i mean just given like how society is and our culture here like i definitely believe that it's an easier way like it's easier for women Mm -hmm. and more acceptable so i think it takes a lot of courage for men to do that but um yeah i gravitate towards men that are emotionally intelligent and aren't afraid of being vulnerable or expressing emotion. Cause I grew up in a household where all emotion was suppressed. Yeah. Um, even from, even from my mom and I, um, it was not accepted unless it, we were happy. Mm-hmm. Happy was the only emotion that was like really allowed. Um, everything else was dismissed. And so, um, yeah, I think it's been cool to see my brother kind of pull out of that and to, um, choose to be more emotionally aware. Yeah, because I think that, like, I mean, you can't fault people too much because our parents are a product of their parents. Oh, yeah. And so you can choose not to be like your parents, you know, if they're, you know, like less open emotionally and stuff like that. But I think the thing with men is that, you know, there was a time where a lot of stuff was life and death. And I don't think we're in that position anymore. Right. Because even the most rigid man or whatever, like David Goggins or Jocko Willink or, you know, any of these type of people, they go get their food from a grocery store. They're mm-hmm. not fucking hunting, hunting or foraging for food. Like we're all, I guess you want to quote soft. So to do this whole thing, like you got to be a macho man today is just like bullshit. It's like, shut yeah. the fuck up, man. Like there's nothing wrong with telling somebody how you feel about them. Yeah. It's not gay. It's not weak. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think you're weak by thinking that way. Right. True. You know? So what is your advice for people and what mark do you want to leave on the world? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I guess advice. I mean, huh. I think the biggest thing that, and I was going to say like, because the thing that I, I'm kind of giving my, the advice that I'm giving myself right mm, now Okay, um, is to move towards connection um, and like just to move towards people and community. I think I just realized like how that, um, how I need that so much um, and to not be afraid. And so like, and it takes work. I think it's so hard to connect with other people. And so sometimes I can just be like, oh, it's too much work or 
you know, there's nobody here. Like, who am I going to connect with? You know, where are the friends? Where's whatever? Um, but just being super intentional about making, if I don't have the relationships that I feel like I need, making those relationships um, and moving towards people and not just moving towards them, but like allowing them to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the even hard. Anybody can have coffee with somebody else, but like to find people that, I mean, you have to take baby steps, but making sure that they're safe people, you know, and just one. I mean, just at least if I have one safe person in my life that I feel like can know me and I can in turn know them. Mm. Um, I just feel like that's um, so crucial because we can't live alone. I mean, nobody is okay, okay alone. Um, and so that would be, I guess, the advice that I'd give myself and someone else, something I have to work on. I think I'll probably struggle until I die. Until I die. <laughs> but um, that is, yeah. As far as the mark that I'd leave on the world, I don't even know how to answer that question because I don't really think about that. Um, I mean, you're a teacher. You have a lot to leave in this yeah, world. Yeah, but I'm you're, not really— my, You're shaping a lot of minds. Um, I don't know that I'm really concerned with that. I just kinda, It doesn't have to be, like, grandiose. It yeah. could be just, like, even your friend group or somebody like, yeah. man, I remember that good memory I had with her. That's a mark. I think I just want people to feel— I think I just want people to feel very loved and accepted by me when they're around me. Um, it's not that I want to like do some grand thing for them, but when people experience me, mm-hmm. I do want them to feel very loved. And that's what I think about my students. Like, do I want them to learn English? Do I want them to be successful academically? Absolutely. But if they walk out of my room every day feeling loved and like they were enough, then I feel like I've done my job. Cause I think that's way more important than them getting, you know, whatever grade on whatever test. That's, that's so true. Cause I always say there's this Tupac quote, and it says, uh, I may not change the world, but I guarantee you I'll spark the brain of the person that will change the world. Mm, yeah. So, like, if, you know, you're just doing good shit and somebody sees it or, you know, you made somebody feel a certain way, maybe they're going to make somebody else feel a certain right. way. And then you'll have that yeah. chain reaction. Because I also know my kids are not going to learn unless they feel safe and loved. Yeah. True. There was something you said that made me think about something. Oh, like you can just tell how we need human interaction. They, what's a the punishment they use in jail? Solitary confinement. Right. Like that's a thing like that drives people fucking crazy being yeah. by themselves. So we do need, we're, we're community based. We need a tribe. We need people in our lives. Yeah. Which and is not crazy. superficial stuff. Yeah. We need like real connection. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so, I mean, how many people are on this world? Right. Mm hmm. And it's so like, it's such a high percentage of people feeling lonely, people not being able to connect. It's just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of social so media abundance, you think that's, I think it's a combination of everything. Oh yeah. I mean, there's you more know, to it, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause it's I crazy. think that, uh, people, like I said, I think people inherently are good, but there's just a couple of people that get a lot of attention for heinous acts that they do. Like these whole guys that are doing a shooting and, you know, um, just violence and it's just uncalled for. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is, is they don't have an outlet. Like they don't, they need to mentally tap into what is their issue. I don't think any sane person wants to hurt a person. Mm, right. I think something's got me mentally wrong with you. And it's not an excuse right, for course, their actions, yeah. but right, I think right. that there's right. some, like they say, hurt people, hurt people. Yep. So generally if you're hurt and you're going to want to take that on somebody, like they always say like, like, you know, me being a bully, but like, <laughs> I like that you admit you're vulnerable and you admit it that you're being a bully. So that's, that's a start. But like, they always say like generally kids that bully people at school are getting bullied at home. Mm. You know, so you want to, you want to take that out on somebody else. Oh, um, 
I don't know if this connects exactly directly, but it just came to mind. So this book that I just finished about shame, mm-hmm. whatever I'm reading, especially if it's some kind of like personal growth kind of book, it's just always in my head because yeah. I'm always processing. Yeah. But one of the lines that stood out to me so strongly was the biggest thing. It, t- it was talking in the context of being a parent, but it said the biggest thing that you can do for your children is to make sense of your own story and reconcile with your own story. And I thought, wow, that's just like so profound. And I thought, and I carried that into like, not just, I don't have children, Mm -hmm. but my students, my friends, my family, like the biggest thing that I can do for other people, it isn't some strategy on like, it's not even communication. It's like me dealing with my shit. Yeah. The more that I handle my shit and make sense of my story and deal with my hurts, Mm -hmm. the less I'm likely to hurt other people. Mm -hmm. So when you say hurt people, hurt people, we've got to deal with our hurts or else we are going to hurt people. It doesn't mean that we're going to go shoot up a school, but like, on some level, whatever pain that we're that we experience, that's manifesting in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That is very true. Because like you like they say, like they use the whole example. If your plane is if a plane is crashing and the airbags drop down, you're supposed to put it on yourself first before you can help somebody right. else. Right. You can't help other people if you're drowning. Right. So yeah. did you have a uh, Flowers that you sure, processed? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got I had time to think about it, you know, like five minutes or whatever long it's been. I'll give it to my parents. Mm. Uh, the reason I give it to my parents is I think my parents were 33 or something like that, or 30, you know, early 30s when they moved to America with me and my two brothers. Mm. It left every everything behind in South Africa. My uncle was here, moved to Memphis, and they sacrificed their whole life for us mm. by coming here. You know, who knows what what we'll be doing right down down in South Africa right now? You know, um, because I what I do know is I probably would have been killed mm-hmm. by now, because you know I was the one that I was always running around with like was black kids, Muslim kids. You know, but you're not you're not supposed to be doing that mm. when we down there. Really, like the black kids hunt, play with the black kids, the Indian kids play with the Indian really? kids, the Muslim huh. kids play with the Muslim kids. You know, it was, it was a big separate, and the you and the white people, white kids, stay with the white kids. Is it still like that or not anymore? Not, not, no. It's 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 um desegregated pretty much now. Like the mindsets change, you know. But like this was this was a few years, like I, I don't know how many years after apartheid, but that, that's mm, okay, that's where the wow. separation was. Okay, and you know, if you grew up in that, that you know, you didn't want your kids playing with the black kid or the white kid or whatever. Like, so you, everyone just stayed within themselves. But, um, yeah, I would definitely give it to my parents for taking the chance and risking everything they knew to come here. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, you can answer this as an immigrant. Do you think <laughs> that you – how do you feel about people that say you came here and you're – like you said, he just said his parents risked everything. And if you didn't do anything with this opportunity, how would you think your parents would feel? Like me as career, like my my whole, um, you meaning like throughout my whole journey? Yeah. Of what I've done so here. like, so like you're doing big things now, like obviously. So I think that's like what it should be, right? You should you you should want to achieve things that your parents risked their lives to get here for. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you agree with that? Do I agree that? Okay, so 
Is your question is your so like, say, yes or no? Say, say like somebody that doesn't try to accomplish anything at all. Right. Because like, that's not everybody's that, story. Your right. story is not everybody's story. I think right. a lot of people are wasting the opportunity. It's like a disservice to your family for coming here for a better opportunity if right. you're not trying to achieve something with this opportunity. Because like a lot of countries, like if you're born in a certain way or a certain class, that's it. Right. You know, there's no chances to be, you know, to go up. Right. And to move here and then just to waste it, to me, would be like a disservice to your family. Right. It would. It would be. Well, I guess so going back to going back to my dad, he's my dad has always been a very a person that can be satisfied easily. Mm-hmm. Right. So my, my dad is from a tradition where he's like, um, son, you should just have a kid, get married mm-hmm. and have a regular, you know, full time job. And that's it, son. You don't have to. You know, have your own house as long as you rent, you get married. So I was born, my mom was the type, she was more like, no, son, be adventurous, go out, uh, experiment, be open to learning, face fear. So I guess for my dad, it would have been enough for me to just, you know, even work somewhere at a, I don't know, no, it doesn't matter what kind of job it is, but let's just say work at a gas station, be married, have 20 kids. That's, that should be enough. Yeah. But my mom would have been more like, son, push yourself, mm-hmm. you know, have a business, um, wait for the right one, um, help others, donate money, things like that. So I guess it would be a yes for my for my mom and then a no for my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about that because, like I said, there's a lot of people that risk their life to come over here and, and say their kid just doesn't do anything with their life. It's like. What they yeah. what they risk their life for? Yeah. And if I was going to give people flowers, yes, I would say I would give it to my friend Nick because I met Nick, and I met other people through meeting Nick, and like my whole social circle is basically because of that one mm. interaction. Okay, that's cool. So he opened up all of that for you. Yeah, yeah. Because I met Nick, and then I met my friend Eubank, and then uh, Eubank would take me out. And like introduce me to people, and I think that uh, <laughs> fucking weirdo. And I that, know weirdo. That was weird, I know, wasn't I know it? I know a weirdo. Okay, that, yeah. that was very weird. Being but weird, yeah, I being think weird is fun. I think oh, they're sympathizer oh, yeah. again. Yeah, she laughed. That's all that matters. I'm getting some shirts like Raul Sympathizer Club. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Been, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. I like the voice. Oh, he's talking about his flowers? His flower. He said he was going to give you flowers. No, I didn't. Seriously. I'm not a liar. <laughs> seriously, doubt that. But who did, he, who did he choose? I missed it. I was in the restroom. Is there Raul? Rahul. Nick and Eubank are. Because, like I said, I wouldn't have the friends I have yeah. and the connections that I've made without those two people. Is that how you met Raul? Yeah, technically, yes. There you go. That's not a plus. It's <laughs> not a plus. But you guys live together, no? I mean, who has furnished this home? Me or you, my friend? But I'm saying you're living in the same home. <laughs> and we're not talking about your material <laughs> possessions. I don't mean that yet. <laughs> Why is that thing red? What are you talking about? That's the record button. No, no. Sorry. I don't know why it was red, but number four was red at the top. So Eubank and because you probably were talking loud, talk talk loud like you normally do. Because number four is you. I know number four is me. See, it's not, uh, that's not how loud you were talking. 
I think I know the equipment. I know, I know you do. I'm saying like something, mm. it turned red. I don't know. Because you were probably, you peaked. Blowing the speaker, maybe. Yeah. You blew the speaker. But anyways, Sorry. I appreciate it, Andres. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. I'm glad you decided to join. I really, I feel yeah. bad because I wasn't going to, I was just going to be quiet. I know. I, I mean, know. Be, no, she had to join in and sympathize for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to sit here for so long. See, look, and like, there's all this conversation going. I just turned red. Oh, it, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, num- the number turned red, right? Yeah, That's okay. Okay. It's okay. Peaking. Uh, but no, this is really good. God, thanks guys. Yeah. You guys are cool. Thank you. I mean, he's not. <laughs> I'm okay. See, it's not only me. It's not, it's not the only one. He's just a good oh, actor. That's what it is. The oh, good actor. Damn. Hey, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you have better conversations with? I do have to say more deep conversations. Oh, one hundred percent. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, I. I cannot even rebut. Try to argue with that because mm. it's definitely Tony, conversationist, wordsmith. Ooh. Yeah, well, you read that book, and hey, you're going to give him a run for his money. That's right. No. <laughs> That's right, girl. What page are you on? Have you started it already? Page two. <laughs> page zero. He hasn't even read the book. I just got it like a couple days ago. Well, how many days ago was it? Like three or four? I hate reading. I, don't, I do audio books. I hate reading. Mm, I love reading. Yeah. My highlighter. How, how, much, how many books do you think you can read in a year? Mm, my goal is always 12. One a month. Okay. Nice. So do you know, however thick it is, that's... Yeah, okay. I mean, that varies, but I can't say that I stick to that goal, but that's like, or that I accomplish the goal, but yeah. that's like. We were, our friend Kelly, uh, I think it was 2020 or maybe 2021, she read over 100 books. And these books varied okay. from like being this thick, Damn. this thick. Yeah. There's all kinds of different books. Fiction are easier for me to get through than. Oh, okay. And I was like, how, how many, what? Because her goal was to read like 40 books or something like that. Mm. And so hot. she got to 40 books, I think she said by already by March or something. She was like, oh, let's, let's go to 60 or whatever. And then oh, she, wow. She ended up being over 120 books. Does she have that much time? I guess. But <laughs> how do you retain all that information, too, if you're reading that many books? You don't yeah, retain everything, I of course. I read a little yeah. slower. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Some people, though, I mean, it. you'd be amazed. Really? Yeah, because some people can read really fast and retain all of it. Because right. you know, she's really smart. And some of it's with practice, too. I think people build those skills. Yeah. I think if you've been reading like that for a long period of time, I think you build up. So you think if you read a whole things. story, you will be able to, like, tell the whole story of a book? I don't know. you got to ask somebody. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I could. but Like I'm a not, book report. I can. I, I can. Because, like, even a yeah. movie. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You can watch a whole movie, but you forget, like, yeah. details and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. The more that I annotate, the more I remember. So mm. it's, I don't do that with fiction, but if it's nonfiction, if I I think that's one of the, I don't know, it's just how I do it. But like I highlight, I might write notes in the margins, and I'm also going to talk about it. And I think, and I mean, just in education, we always talk about this. The, the more that you talk about something and discuss it, the more, or you teach someone else how mm. to do something, um, the more it like solidifies in your brain. So. What do you know? Like, what does they say? The five love languages. What's yeah. your love language? Um, my love language is words of affirmation. Oh, so that's why you brought that up. Makes sense. <laughs> what are the five? What are the five languages? It's like in one, like touch, acts of service, mm-hmm. uh, active service. It's like doing things for people. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yes. Only reason I know that is because he told us. And quality so. time. Yeah, quality time. I like quality time. What's and your love language, Tony? Okay. Peace. That's not part of the language. You're probably quality time. So affirmations, quality time, 
service. I like to do stuff for people. Like, I love buying people gifts. He started a charity. He did. What kind of charity? It was like when I was talking about that guy cutting the hair. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Um, so, like, I had uh, saw that video and then I had like the aha moment, like, why don't I do something? And so then uh, I reached out to him and our buddy Mark Strouser and I was like, hey, let's do something. So, we did a, it was like 2015, we did a homeless uh thanksgiving for the homeless we fed a bunch of homeless people and less fortunate people and then we started like we did a sack lunch where we like went around on christmas i think it was christmas day or christmas eve yeah we passed out lunches today and like little like uh like gloves and beanies and stuff and then uh try to do real life now shit so that's what we got the 501c3 to get uh it's a non-profit status now so the goal is to try to change Memphis and, and eventually branch outside of Memphis. Now I don't want just to be local yeah. because like I said, we did um, when we did that Thanksgiving thing, this, we got interviewed on the news. And so they put my phone number on there. And so people kept calling me like to be a volunteer. Oh, okay. And then I got, we were there that day of, and this, somebody called me and they're like, Hey, uh, are y'all still doing a Thanksgiving dinner? I was like, yeah, just come down to the community center. You know, we're, um, we're here and they're like, oh no, uh, I uh, I wanted to get some food. And I was like, oh yeah, just come on down then, you know? And they're like, well, I don't have a vehicle. And then they're, they're like, me and my kids haven't eaten in like three days or something. So I was like, okay, let me get some stuff together and then we'll go drop it off to them. So my friend Brad, you met Brad before. Uh, Brad. Oh yeah, of course. Atomic. Yeah. yeah. And so like uh, we went over there to their house and they opened the door and the kids looked like emaciated. And mm. It was just like, and they were so appreciative, and that was just like one of the best feelings. So, like, it's one of those things where it's it's kind of selfish on my part why I do it because it gives me like a high, mm-hmm. you know, like of giving. Like, there are some people that film their stuff, which I personally wouldn't do, but if I probably wouldn't have saw that video, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. So it just depends mm-hmm. on what level you're coming from, and if you're truly helping somebody, who gives a fuck right. which way you do it? Right. Like, I don't think you should exploit people, but like I said, if it's one of those things where it makes somebody else change their mindset to do it then it's a good thing because i saw this thing the other day where these guys i want to try this actually but these people they go to a restaurant and they all like take a hundred bucks and they'll give a hundred bucks to the server that's cool and so that can change that server's week like or they, fucking their month you know yeah. if they have like say there's 12 of us sometimes we go there's big groups of people if everybody gave twelve hundred dollars essentially that's life-changing oh yeah so i'll i'll do that Am I invited? No. no. <laughs> well, you're not invited. I mean, it's, it's not a Rollo sympathizer. Event. Oh, okay. So uh, not, <laughs> no, but uh, so I watched a video the other day on Instagram where this guy knocked on. I'm, I'm sure that he knew the part. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But like he knocked on the door. He's like, hey, do you want to go to like Dave and Buster's or whatever? And then I'll send you the video on Instagram. And uh, he the kid was like, let me ask my mom. And mom was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, you know what? It's for you. And the whole neighborhood could knock on everyone's doors and take them out. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. he took like thirty or forty kids yeah. to Dave and Buster's. Hmm. Wow. And you know, I'm sure I said I'm gonna do it. So my so Colin that owns Ounce of Hope is uh he said he'll, he'll Ounce of Hope. He'll he'll throw in big. Oh, that's time. where they sell the weed. Yeah. Yeah, and like um We can edit that <laughs> No, no, they it, it they sell you know, they sell uh, cannabis. cannabis. Yeah, they sell products that have THC in it. But um He's down, and then, you know, other people have hit me up about it. And so, you know, it's going to become something that we're going to be able to do. And then 
one of my friends has a good relationship with uh, David Buster's The One in Town because he does all his wrestling stuff up there. Okay. And I'm going to reach out to him about it. And, you know, if we can get, like, I don't know, like $15 game cards donated to, like, the kid, like, right, the kids yeah. or whatever, and then mm. – or ten or $20, whatever it is, like, yeah, we're going to start working on that soon. That's cool. Good. I love to hear stuff like yeah. that. Because, like, you know, it's, it's like these these kids, a lot of these kids that live here don't ever get to see shit. Like, they'll go to things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – Unless they go on a school field trip. Right. That, which is what? If they get lucky, they get, get to go. Right. We had a friend of ours. She was on here. She's a, she was a teacher at one time. And she said they went to the Civil Rights Museum. Okay. And these kids were like, are we in Mississippi? Like, they had never left their street, pretty mm. much. Mm. And it's something that, like, a lot of us take for granted that we get to do stuff that other people don't. Oh, yeah. So my whole thing, I would love to have some type of program where you can send, because I think traveling is one of the best things. Mm-hmm. I, I think it opens our eyes to, because like I said, I've seen some stuff in some of the places I've traveled, and it's like, as an American, you should never complain about certain things, because when certain people are living, we definitely, I mean, there, there's poor people here. There's not a pissing contest on that, but there's a different level, your phone, there's a different level of poor um that they experience because, like I said, when I went to Africa, I saw these people and animals digging in this trash pit mm-hmm. for food. Mm. In the same trash can, y'all. No, it wasn't. A, it was like a like a, a hill, like a landfill. Type oh, thing. but it was just sad. Yeah. And I told them to move the phone because there was feedback. I heard it. No, no, no. y'all no. don't have headphones on, so you couldn't. I don't have. Yeah, with your phone is too close. You go, uh, like, oh, the, okay. like the Nokia phone. Like the, oh, you can it hear sounds it. Like, yeah, you can say yeah. speakers. Hmm. I wasn't bullying. Yeah. When I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But, but. I, I feel but, like you're hypersensitive but, over but, here to I'm that. I'm a cancer. But he has yelled at me once for being on my phone while I was talking to a guest. Hmm. So there's that. I was like, I was texting the next guest saying we're running a little behind. Uh. So you always, you guys have like guests every weekend? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, nice. we do. Cool. I'm going to have to check out I the try to do. Now. I tried. First, it was like once a week. And then I was like, well, let me do two a week. So now we do two podcasts. So you release two a week? Yeah, every Tuesday and Friday. Like the second one originally was like we watched a shitty movie, like a really terrible movie, and I just reviewed it. And like I really enjoyed doing that because it was you not it, – it was like you're watching a stupid movie, and then you can talk about the stupid movie for like, <laughs> like 10 minutes. What is it? I like this conversation. Uh, L-Y-N-C-K-U-P. Yeah, because originally it was supposed to be an app for like um, gift cards, right? No, that's no. a regifted. Uh, explicit. Explicit. Yeah, but yeah, it was supposed to be like if you go to out of a new city or something, you can get on the app and then find somebody that knows something. Like if you're like you're very popular downtown or whatever, you just, somebody gets on the app. Okay, I'll let me hit up this Andres guy. He can show me around. Hmm. And that's why it's the link up. That's where I was like trying to find a way to spell the name, and then so I went on Google. Link up. I went on Google Translate, and I just kept typing stuff in until it finally came up. But hmm. anyways, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys. It was really I, nice to meet you. I do not appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's add that to my affirmations. He does. He's projecting. He oh, does. don't he fall, does bro. You. See, I tried to catch him. I thought it was about to fall. Hey, hey Bishop, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Ugh.